Internet friends, and welcome to episode number 150, the big 150 of Final Boss TV, your WoW and game rating show. Today, it's the Method World First. Uh, I've done a few of these before, may, may or may not have, have seen them on the internet, and I do interviews with all the other, of course, the top specs and things of that nature, and then the top World First guilds, but this is another time. We didn't do Mythic Helia, so they've made up for it in this show been a while but this is the method world first show my name is adam kaka bay thank you for tuning in today for this episode if you've missed past episodes of course you can check out on itunes stitcher google play music for the audio only or they all go up on youtube if you've missed any of the past shows they all go up in big chunks by years so that of course is linked right down below you can go check them out they're all listed by years my screen is kind of messed up here but you can go check those out if you would like to do so. And of course, a big shout out and thank you to the assistant producers of the show over on Patreon. You guys keep the show going, keep the lights on. So Truffles, Ludovicus, Tazlin, R4, Dalthier, Quen, and Vrez. There is no BTS podcast for this one because I can only get so much time from these nerds. But if you do want the BTS podcast, these shows go up on Patreon. So into the show notes, if you were here last night on the live show, I did put these together on the stream, but if you want to check those out, those are there, as well as all the BTS podcasts. We have like 28, no, 22 extra podcasts if you'd like to check those out over there. And of course, if you want to help support the show and keep it going, you can subscribe to my YouTube channel where all the shows get posted, or you can follow the stream right here on Twitch. So we only have two shows left in the main Junket Enhancement and then Brewmaster and then taking some time off while we start over again. But that's enough out of me. Uh, two of these guests are here, but one of them is is fresh meat. I want to introduce the, the new one because chat wants to see him. So Josh, say hi to chat. Hi, Josh. Hello. Is that all they get? Yeah. Hello, chat. Yeah, I'm Josh. Healer <laughs> uh, Method. Good to be here. You're not a pretty girl, despite popular opinion. No, I'm not a pretty girl at all, unfortunately. But uh, here we are. And you do healing. So disappointing, man. <laughs> <laughs> who was that? Wait, who who was who was that? There's Scott again. Thought, Welcome back, Scott. Hello, I sir. I, was, I thought I was getting some of those big absorbs from a from a cute girl. Feels bad, man. Mm -hmm. That's true. You want to do your pose now, Scott? I'm introducing you. You gotta, gotta get the chat. Come you on. You could have told me, dude. Am I no. still am I still no. on screen now? Yes, you are. You want to give it to him? They're waiting for you. You guys ready for this? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Who did you make that yourself? Who made that? Yeah, I handcrafted this myself, painted it myself, everything. I'm quite a creative person. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. I don't know if I believe you, but I'll go with it. <laughs> yeah, there it is. And there's Roger reporting to us with his one one yearly call from. Uh, Jail? I don't know. Where are you, Raj? Hi. Hello. <laughs> Here with my friends, as always. Um, glad to be back. And I think this night is going to be a long one. So, yeah, there it is. <sighs> Let's get started. I I didn't realize this when I was setting up the show. Are those the same sheets you had on when you were on the last show? 
Um, possibly, I don't know. <laughs> Chat, uh, go, I, go research this. Go back to the last episode they were on I'm, and check. I'm looking at I'm looking at his bed, and I'm actually wondering why his pillow looks so flat. Yeah, like hmm. it's hmm. no uh, there's no elevation. Hmm. Hmm. That would be a big mystery for you. I don't know. <laughs> I think that's the, the 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 two biggest things people always get for on these shows is like who is the other guest that's always been Scott and Roger and then what sheets are on Roger's bed mm. so as long as we're uh, you know appeasing the masses in that regard yeah indeed is there anything left in that fridge Roger considering that you've been sitting here at your computer for 19 days straight up until the point where you cleared TOS is there anything in there right now uh, there's some jajiki in there there is some uh, melon a um, few water bottles Mm -hmm. I don't know what else is there. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. I think that's it. That's it. Yeah. Oh, that's fine. I have Keeping to always. It simple. I have to ask. Um, right off the bat, just to get re re reacquainted again, because every single time I bring on the Method Boys, I have to ask Scott, like, where, how has the Method Sphere evolved? Do you guys have like nine hundred teams now? And like, what 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 kind of updates you want to give us? And we haven't talked since December the fourth, so what's you up with regards, you guys? You mean in regards to the World of Warcraft guild, or everything? I mean, this whole section. You have like a PUBG team now, and I don't even know what else you guys have. Yeah, world domination is yeah. is going pretty good right now. <laughs> the plans <laughs> the plans are succeeding, so it's all good in that regard. But the uh, the guild itself has uh, has obviously seen some changes recently as well with the uh, strength obviously disbanding and mm. uh, some some players coming to method strengthening our strengthening our roster strengthening our core bolstering the ranks we have a few of those guys in chat right now Mr Fragments Deep Shades mm -hmm. you you let them in huh there was was there like a really rigorous testing trial <clears throat> process for any of them I mean, they're all still on trial right now, so oh. yeah, it's, it's definitely quite a rigorous process, you know. <laughs> okay, that's like, we're not quite sure. We're not quite sure, you know what I mean? They had to pledge their hearts to us to SCO, uh to get in. That hmm. was the process. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I see Jinji's in chat as well. Okay, we've got them all here, guys. Was Beacon <laughs> only Beacon missing? I guess. Uh, okay, that's fine. Is it Josh still on trial? Is that uh, you want to? Uh... Yeah, I am. I'm still on trial. Uh, been a trial for like six months now, but it's all good, you know. Uh, mm. Is it all good? I don't know. Maybe it's not. These guys know. I don't. Well, now that Scott knows you're not a pretty girl giving him all those absorbs, yeah. then... I know, right? Is that a criteria? Who like, knows? Uh, I remember the good old days where the method forums used to have like uh, trial threads, where people in the guild used to post like feedback about trials in the guild. But those days, unfortunately, are long gone. No, it's just, I guess, a conversation between officers as to whether or not this guy's going to be joining us for the next two, I guess. With hmm. Josh, it's still kind of looking a bit, you know, iffy. Oh. So, yeah. let's, this uh, is the real let's test, this interview. Quickly, the show, this show is the real trailer. <laughs> I got it. Uh, <laughs> this is obviously the test to see if he can handle himself in, like, a public uh, kind of setting, yeah. Okay. Well, then I guess I, I can... Like, I'll turn the script right on, on Josh, then. Then what? how is the... The situation, Ben, like how is the, the rating, Ben? How is this, the, the whole method experience from your point of view is? And choose your words wisely. And it's pretty much exactly what I expected. You know, you, you get into it and you know you're going to be there like 16 hours a day. You're not going to be there, well, not quite 16, but you're not going to be there all day. You know what it's going to be like progressing. I didn't expect it to last quite as long as it did. 
but it dragged out, and that obviously no one could have known that. I mean, the people really nice. Like I get on with everyone here. It's uh, it's generally just been like spot on so far. It's hmm. pretty positive words. Yeah. I remember when Glad Josh <laughs> first joined. Actually. Glad you you stick to the script, mate. <laughs> when, <Yeah. laughs> when Josh. <laughs> yeah. As soon as Josh was invited to the guild, I already remember him whispering me straight away. He was like, yo, like I was looking for some healers for Mythic Plus, and he just instantly jumped into the group. But from then on, I was already thinking, yeah, this guy's this guy's pretty good. He's for some pretty good healing in the Mythic Plus. Well, until these Mythic Plus invitational stuff have been formed up, and then you realize that priests just can't can't keep it up. You don't have like every other healer, too, Josh. Are you mainly just a priest in the whole no, ecosystem I've... right now, or? I have every other healer, but the amount of time I'd need to put in over like the past week and a half to gear up a paladin or a druid to an acceptable level is just like couldn't oh, yeah. really be bothered for the reward. It's like yeah. I okay. mean you, you probably you could push fairly high as disco holy, but you I don't think you'd ever win it, which is like the only thing I'd be interested in, so there's no there's no point even like putting in the time. It's an interesting PvE ecosystem change though, the next couple of weeks to see how that all pans out and to see if Blizzard like responds to the very probably strict meta that's going to form. I wonder how that's going to be. Because in the rating scene, we always see and it's like, you know, what the top guilds use and how you guys stack all these certain classes. And we'll get into that later on in the show. But we've never seen a really competitive Mythic Plus scene. So I wonder how that's going to really, really pan out. If we get any response from them or any changes in that regard. Because that feels bad if you only have to play, you can only play this, this, and this, and this. And that's all. So, but I mean, I, guess, I, don't think, I, don't, I don't think you're going to expect huge changes. Though it's always the case that some classes, you know, are going to excel over other classes. I mean, that's kind of how Blizzard. I mean, Blizzard's way of balancing things is always kind of just like shifting around, shifting around like the power, so to speak. Sometimes, you know, some patch, some class will be slightly better than another class, and so on. Like, I think that's in general the Blizzard's approach to balancing. Um, right. You know, there's always there's always something that's stronger than something else, and they just kind of shift it patch by patch. Yeah, I think if anything what uh, they might change is some of the dungeons because you can uh, already see uh, certain dungeons not being uh, even attempted to uh, be completed or like way less than some others so they might uh, make uh, the hard ones easier or they might make the easy ones harder i think that's uh, easier for them to do rather than yeah. changing the balance of the classes and then messing up uh, something else in uh, raids and stuff so I guess it's also to do with the affixes as well. It could make it could make an impact, right? If you've got obviously fortified, there's obviously a, a bonus to bringing classes that can excel when it comes to AoE DPS, and obviously tyrannical. I mean, you might want to you might might benefit a little bit more from some single target uh, damage instead. Um, it just depends on the dungeon, depends on the affixes. So I mean, this week of course you are seeing you know a lot of the same kind of classes being brought for obvious reasons. There, there was a huge wave of nerfs that went out, and you know we'll go through balancing stuff in particular to Mythic Kill Jaden a little bit later. But there's there's something crazy about that huge balancing pass that went out for Mythic Plus. But then even setting up the show, Roger was saying that they're still you're still skipping those nerf dungeons because even if they're yeah. heavily nerfed, they're still that bad. Well, because you do twenty twos, so yeah. The problem is also. The new dungeons that were released, so the Karazans and the Cathedral, mm -hmm. people have not played those from the get-go. So a lot of the players are more used to playing the other dungeons. And since the new ones are not that easy, 
then they don't bother learning all the tricks that you can do. You know, like if you have something that you're comfortable with, why not just do that instead? But it, it was also overtuned. It's still some things are kind of, you know, silly in those dungeons. I don't know. I think they will nerf them a bit more. That's my uh, theory, at least. Yeah. That And that brings up this this point that came up on I'll say up the show notes yesterday. And not only just the Mythic Plus side of things, but there was a little scuttlebutt going out on the like, the wariness and the fatigue for part of the team of Method to return for the tomb push. So I guess I'll toss this over to, to Scott. Like, what did you do to bring back people that may have wanted to move on and uh, and not raid for what turned into 19 days of progression? I mean, what do you mean? Like, during the race or, like, before the race? I mean, just right before, like, setting up for tomb and then during, during tomb. This is what I was told to ask from... Oh, there's there was just like the it, was it not a I thing? I don't know. Like before, or... before before Tomb came out, we had like a we had a pretty strong uh, roster. Like it was it was already you know pretty full. We had about twenty five players ready to raid, um, and then of course we got the additional four players from the Serenity split as well. Um, so no, there wasn't really any issues of uh, of people thinking they wanted to start before TOS. Um, okay. In general, in general, the motivation was actually really high. Yeah? It's always been high in method for like the last I guess you could say you know year and a half since everything went down. To obviously move method back up to number one, um, okay. and so there wasn't really any issue with people, uh, you know, not being prepared for TRS or thinking about not playing in TRS. I think what actually happened was maybe during TRS, some people started uh, feeling a little bit exhausted, uh, a little bit demotivated when things weren't really being, uh, I guess you could say, addressed by Blizzard in a timely fashion. We were kind of wiping on Avatar and KJ for like four to five days per boss uh, on kind of overtuned mechanics, which was really demotivating for some people. Um, and I guess there was some private conversations that were hard, but it wasn't really anything that like resulted resulted in like some kind of action. Like you know, there's no one left their comrades behind. If you know what I mean, yeah. There was no one quit mid progress or stopped mid progress. Um, okay. You know, it's always because in general, it's it's, it's obviously going to leave a salty taste in everyone else's mouth if someone um, decides to skip out the guilds. You know, mid progression. It's normally always a thing when it comes to like end game raiding or end game guilds that it's fine for players to quit whenever they want. You know, players come and go, of course. But if you're going to commit to a progress tier, then you're going to commit to a progress tier. You're not going to leave your friends behind halfway through the tier, right? Um, because if you do that, then obviously it's not going to leave you with a very good rep. Um, and people who have been playing this game for so long, it's actually quite a big part of their life. You know, they don't want to be leaving. The, they don't want to be closing the chapter with uh, on a negative note, I guess you could say. Yeah. And so that uh, that that came up a little bit, but it wasn't really a big, like a like a big deal. It wasn't really anything like the there was like public or anything. It was maybe just a few private conversations here and there. Okay. I think also, just to touch on the fatigue part, I think it's, uh, even though this tier was way longer than Nighthold, the fact that we were not behind in terms of the kills to the other to the rest of the guilds uh, made it a bit easier for us. Because it's way more frustrating if it's a long tier and you're also behind, so you're like struggling um, to, you know, catch up and get the world first. If you're ahead, you're kind of thinking, okay, we can still do this. It's, you know, we can get the world first if we just keep going. Um, whereas if you're, you know, one or two days behind, you're feeling like, oh, so much, so many days, so much work, and then probably, you know, not going to get the world first. It's way more demotivating. Um, so yeah, Nighthold, for me at least, felt uh, more tiresome 
compared to this, even though it was like half the days, basically. Yeah, I guess he's referring back to like Stargirl when the Russians pulled so far ahead of us uh, uh, on Gul'dan, I guess. Um, but yeah. In general, it's just 19 days of progress rating is, is extremely exhausting for everyone involved, obviously, because we are pushing it, you know, uh, you know, starts at 14 hours a day, but goes down to like 12, but still, you know, an absolute crap ton of rating every single day, but you're just sitting in front of your PC rating, so. Right. Well, that's, so that's one of the next little topics I have here, but I'm going to tie that right into this, and uh, I'm going to go to kick it over to Josh real quick. Did, what is your... What is your previous experience with pushing a raid tier? And then was the experience now with Method for this, what turned into 19 days? Was that like... Yeah, well, I'd, I'd only started sort of more hardcore raiding last expansion. And that was like at a world 100, world 50 level where the tier takes a lot longer. So you, you're going to be raiding for like three or four months of progression, but it's only five nights a week or three nights a week or, or whatever. You know, it's not like every day and it's not all day every day. Um, so this was like different in that, in that it was a lot shorter total time, but obviously like so much of that time was concentrated there. Uh, motivation for me personally was like pretty high because you know you want to like you want to achieve it, you want to like kind of prove yourself a little bit um, going into it. So I never really felt like it dragged on a huge amount. I mean, the hotfix situation obviously no one enjoys being stuck there for three days where you feel like you just can't make progress at all. You feel like you can't do anything because you know, it's impossible. So. Uh, but outside of that, like when we were actually like on a boss that felt killable and stuff, it was absolutely fine. Like good to progress like that, uh, and a nice change. Like I kind of went into it expecting exactly what happened. To be fair, like you know, it's going to be like difficult sitting there all day playing a game, but it's like it's not. It's not like it's you know actually like hard or anything. Well, I guess I, I can ask, and we brought this up before when I interviewed the Exorcist guys for Gul'dan, and then you for Helia, and then beyond that, as the expansions go back, everything sort of changes in that that ecosystem, but how, how many hours per day during this push did you actually like work out to dispel rumors or conjecture or whatever, like the, the social media sphere might be kicking around? Did you guys like, I know that just wait had the stats of like your wipes and then progression on kill Jaden directly, but do you like, do you track that or do you have like a set schedule that you sort of put in place for the raid roster for like the first two weeks, then you kind of amended from there? Like what kind of hours were you guys looking at? Scott, what did you, What'd you guys do? Um, it always starts a bit more aggressive at the very start of the tier when everyone's fresh and everyone's motivated, obviously, to get in there and kill bosses until you get a little bit stuck later on. So to start with, it's probably about raiding about 18 hours a day, eight hours sleep break, and about two hours of overall breaks during the day. Um, as it as you kind of progress and start getting onto harder fights, then we normally extend the uh, the sleeping hours from eight to like up to ten, let's say. Um, so the raiding hours go down to like 12 a day. Um, in general, like. I, I talked about this a little bit before, but um, the roster right now in Method is it's it's actually more hardcore than I've ever seen in the past. Like people were actually able to take a lot of time off whatever they're doing in real life, so whether it's studies or work or and such. Um, I was actually amazed that we never really had any attendance problems over the whole 19 days um, that we were doing this Mythic progress. But yeah, normally it's a case of you basically just find out people's people's uh, schedules, people's attendance before the tier actually starts, so you already know what's coming. Um, you can obviously base your, your setup on that as well. Um, but yeah, we didn't really have any issues. It's just it's just a case that as we were progressing, let's say on Kill Jane at the very end, like you saw the Exodus post coming out saying that they might have to go to a more relaxed schedule, mm -hmm. um, like coming up to the next, like after the weekend when people have to go back to work and stuff. I mean, fortunately we didn't, we didn't actually even need to have that conversation because we knew at that point that we were obviously really close to killing the boss and that it was probably gonna go down on that weekend. But yeah, if, if a fight is gonna take, uh, 
if it was going to push into next week, then it probably, would probably be a similar conversation and method. Um, where it's, again, a case of just asking people, what is their availability exactly? Do we need to cut back on hours? But um, like I said, it, it's the, the guild is more hardcore this time than I've ever seen before. Like I would, I definitely, like if I was still working full time, I, I would have find, found it extremely difficult to get, do 19 days of mythic progress. Like it would be, uh, would have been a, a big, a big uh, push for sure. Because um, normally in the past, you know, mythic progress takes like what, maybe like a week and a half. So it's not maybe like eight days off work. This is obviously considerably more. Yeah, no, it definitely was. And I, I was digging around and through like the Reddit side of things and like watching the WoW progress page, for example, from you guys. And like the common argument that comes up is the whole, well, they're under geared and that's why this tier is taking so long and blah, blah, blah. Or in the past raid tiers, it was like, oh, well, they got so much gear for all the split runs and they just, you know, ran right through it. Or it's, you know, Blizzard's balancing is terrible. But I, I, I pulled this up and when you guys were actually like digging in to the last stretch on into Avatar and to kill Jaden, you, you had like between 16 to 18 full heroic clears in, in that full, like two ish to three week window. So like, where does the, the, do you put more time? Like, does, do you feel like more time goes into like all like the farming and gearing up? Cause you, then you progress in the first like seven bosses just kind of fall over or like, where does the time balance come in is it every day you have like a plan or do you just kind of just like we're gonna do this and then that and just go for it um well obviously the heroic week you do this uh, we did seven split rounds which is the first time we do so many oh, wow. um then in the first mythic week you start and you go as far as you can like quickly and then once we hit the um, fallen avatar which is kind of like the brick wall then you start thinking, okay, maybe we go and do the heroic splits again for this week. And that's what we did. We also kind of thought that maybe they will nerf the boss. So it's always good to do them kind of early. Like if you realize that, okay, this boss is really hard. We kind of need the gear. You'd rather do the heroic splits early so that after you're done, the boss gets nerfed if it is, which it was, uh, instead of waiting for the nerf and then being like, oh, well, that was a waste. Why didn't we do the splits before? Um, so it kind of depends on every week when the time fits to do the heroic splits. If you feel like the gear is holding you back, then you go do the, the splits. If you feel like you can keep progressing, then there's no point. Uh, because maybe you will get further into the fight. You realize, oh, we need an extra X class, you know, an extra warrior to pump uh, executes, an extra rogue, whatever. So you don't want to do the splits instantly as soon as the, you know, one of the Mythic Weeks uh, reset happens uh, to have the flexibility to gear up uh, other characters. Because we never, that's sort of the one thing that gets tossed around a lot is that I know I read this in, in Twitter threads and then I saw it in like the Reddit post that started coming up when the, the getting stuck happened and because your guild eye level, I think in the snapshot, you were like 933 when you got KJ mm. down. He drops 940. <laughs> so normally the undergeared argument and where the, the gearing conundrum comes in is usually when you're 15 below. But it's never a thing for you guys. You're never undergeared when you're doing progression bosses. Do you ever think that's... Is that a thing? 
I mean, I everyone mean, in the raid obviously already has like the tier pieces, the trinkets, and everything. Um, it wasn't yeah. really a. If we can't kill a boss, it's not really a gearing issue. It's because the boss is probably overtuned, yeah. In terms yeah. of people saying that we're like undergeared, uh, or, or like you know we're not undergeared, we have the appropriate gear because of all these splits and stuff. I mean, no guild will ever kill that boss with as low eye levels as we had. Like, uh, I mean, I'm sure they could in the state it's in now, but like every guild will have done the seven or eight or nine weeks of mythic farm they'll have got to, and that destroys even doing like a hundred heroic splits. That's just the reality of it. So. You know, the heroic splits help a lot with that early push and stuff, but just because we're killing the bosses so early, you're never going to get, like, you know, you're never going to be in a situation where the gear is, like, actually so high that no one else, only in a Halia kind of tier where there's no bosses to actually kill, you know, you're going to have, like, a much higher level. Okay. This is a weird thing I wanted to, like, dispel and have you guys speak on, because it, it just comes up all the time, and it's just not, it's just a weird back and forth that never gets anywhere, so... Well, I want to say something about the gear specifically. Yeah. Um, the gear, comparing to the previous tiers, okay? So EN happened, and then a couple of months later, we had um, Helia. So you didn't have enough time to really get all the gear you wanted, Titan Force and stuff from EN. Then um, Nighthold came again two to three months after, uh, later. So again, you didn't really have enough time. Okay, it was a bit different back then, but. Anyways, and there were no tier pieces as well. But on Nighthold, you had a full six months. At the end, we were doing six mythic full clears of Nighthold, which we've never done ever in any expansion before, wow. just because of this Titanforge system. So you get all of the gears, like people had 925 tier pieces all across, you know, well, most of us had them. <laughs> unless, unless, which, you're a tank, unless you're a tanker healer, yeah. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, I think I popped like, I don't know, 50 of those tier tokens um, over the course of the farm period. So it was a different um, state of gear compared to previous times and previous expansions, of course, because you go into Heroic and the gear is like, okay, I can use it. I need the tier pieces, maybe a trinket that is OP here and there, but you didn't really need as much. And yeah, like, as you said, you are 930 and the bosses drop 930 except for the last boss. Right. So it was like gear, we were definitely not undergeared in terms of what has happened in the past in the game. But um, we were, I don't know how, I don't know how they balance it. That's the problem. Like what do they assume that you'll have? But you cannot expect guilds to farm six mythic clears of the previous raid to have everything Titanforged and then get in here. So. I don't know. That's, I think, their biggest problem with this Titanforge system. It's very hard for them to evaluate what gears, um, I level, what eye level, uh, the guilds will have going into Mythic. Yeah, that's, and, and that does bring me over. I wanted to make sure that we we plug the resources that are out there. And of course, if you haven't checked up on the raid progress post, so. Method.gg, your website, ran over... Uh, I think Starum does most of all of this now for you guys, right? Is he like the only one that really keeps up with the, the raid progress? Or do you have anyone else that needs to get a shout-out that helps him put together this huge post? Because it's still going, because Scrubbusters just got EU 3rd, World 6th yesterday, or today. Alliance first. Well, yeah, Alliance, <laughs> Alliance first. Alliance first. Nice, dude. Don't give him that! Well, well, nah, no, there's a, there's no, a few people. No Goblin first. Yeah, no Goblin first, yeah. 
there's a few people alongside Storm that do it because it's um, especially like near the start of the progress race, it's actually around the clock, right? I mean, guilds are killing bosses at all kind of uh, hours, you know, different regions, Asia, US, Europe. So there's obviously Starm who's doing, I guess you could say, the majority of it. But there's obviously people on the side who are also helping out when he, uh, you know, goes to sleep or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's like 13 so, pages in this thread already. There's so much stuff. And it's awesome to look back and it's like a timeline and you can see where all the, the, the drama or the nonsense happens. So we have this like little little time capsule for it. But then the side shout out, which Derry said we could definitely shout out. Raider IO is also a new resource. This is not a uh, totally brand new thing, but this is also tracking the raid race now too. And and Jerry said you guys had a good relationship with what they were doing and what they were putting together. And this is a nice little one. It also does a mythic plus and they're doing the dungeon invitational now too. But yeah, it seems to be quite a cool, cool tool. It's uh, obviously showing a little bit more information than, uh, than the standard wire progress. Um, so it's definitely picked up quite a lot of popularity this tier. You know, definitely it is. This is nice. These are fun tools that get developed by the community and then get, you know, put out there and then we can keep track of all this stuff. I don't know if anyone knew about Raider IO, but you can you bookmark that alongside the, the raid progress via Method GG because we have another one on the horizon. I mean, and Taurus the Burning Throne already had raid testing Friday. So did you dabble in the raid testing? Anyone in Method? No. No? 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 Oh, no. I mean, I think a few of actually, I think a few members from the guild did like pugs, right? Um, but no, there wasn't. There wasn't really any official method raid. It's more a case of you know, this is just too soon. We've oh, just yeah. spent you know uh, the the better part of a month, I guess you could say, with if you include like the work week, which is you know that's very grindy for us as well. Mm -hmm. um, and then 19 days of mythic, it's almost a full month of uh, playing the game solid. And so it's obviously a little bit. Um, it's too early for us really to go on the PTR servers, and especially on heroic difficulty, it's almost worthless testing the bosses. I mean, if you, if you basically look at the difficulty of the first few bosses of the, even on Mythic difficulty of the last few raid tiers, I mean, these bosses are literally dying in a one shot. Yeah, there's no, there's not even any wipes on them. So it's, yeah, uh, it's uh... almost senseless to, to push the raid to kind of, you know, come out of uh, the rest period to, to test this. It was uh, really exciting to do Demonic Inquisition 10 times on the PTR and then just yeah, go and one shot exactly, it. Man. Mm. <laughs> Love those tests. Uh, yeah. Well, I want to definitely bring up the recent Reddit thread that Exorcist made, just to see if you guys have any responses or opinions for any particular sections. Everyone, of course, can go read through this. I'll drop the link in chat, but do I don't know who wants to, to open up about this, because it's the second time that the Exorcist guys have put together a huge, comprehensive, massive wall of text. I mean, there's a lot of good stuff in this, or there's five huge sections, but... But I don't know, Scott, Roger, Josh, who who wants to to respond to this? Do you have anything you want to to discuss or talk about in this regard? Go, Josh. Yeah, Josh, sure. Uh, okay, okay, sure, sure. Mm -hmm. I'll go. Uh, I don't disagree with anything they said. I think that like it's a really they succinctly summed up a lot of the problems of the tier to people who because people were saying you know oh the boss is just hard they don't like that it's just hard whatever I mean they explained that it was literally there was no way you were ever going to kill that boss like no matter how skilled you were at the game or anything. So they explain that. Um, I think if some of the solutions, maybe obviously they're not game designers and none of us are, like the solutions aren't ideal, but I mean, the, the points they raise, the actual concerns they have, I agree with completely. Like Titan forging's an issue, uh, raid design is an issue. And I mean, those are the two big ones in my opinion. Yeah. And they go into the lockout system, the Warforged Titan Forge, legendary upgrade system, tuning encounters for immunity classes, which that's 
Mm, that's a new one. I mean, implementation of balance changes right before the raid tiers, stuff like that, yeah. I mean, going back to what I said earlier, the main frustration for, I guess, everyone in Method this tier was the, uh, the duration it took for Blizzard to address um, clear problems with certain fights, you know. Like, like I said, we reached Avatar um, on, I think it was Thursday of the first reset on Mythic, so we killed Maiden, I think, on Thursday morning. Um, and basically, you know, it, it took them a long, long time. We were basically wiping on that fight for, let's say, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and I think even Monday as well. Was it July the 4th on Monday? Um, until they actually, it was actually July 4th on Tuesday. So, yeah, basically the entire reset that we were, that we were progressing on, on Avatar to start with was um, very frustrating because there was certain things in the fight, especially in Phase 2, that made the fight, you know, probably impossible, yeah. And so we obviously provide Blizzard with logs, videos, uh, feedback, um, and that was provided very early on. But it's just a case of uh, the changes not being implemented very fast at all. And the exact same thing happened to us on Kill Jaden as well. So any kind of lead we had through killing Avatar before, let's say, uh, Exorcist was kind of just, you know, almost out the window. Because changes on Kill Jaden didn't go through until after the weekend as well. So the first four to five days in that fight were also uh, pretty brutal. Yeah. There's, there's definitely some dissonance there or some some fracturing of how it's designed. And I don't want to jump in the rabbit hole of that Blizzard basically just has, at this point, really, it's just Method and Exorcist that essentially live beta test these encounters. But that, that brings me to, like, the whole World First Race situation. And a big part of this thread is because of all this stuff happening... Really, you only raced against Exorcist in, in this tier. So, with the fact that you're racing against one, almost would have been two guilds, right? Like, the, 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 the Korean, the Chinese, they were there. Like, they were, they were pushing it. But they weren't still, they weren't at the same point you were. Is there even so much of a race anymore? Um, like you said, it was kind of a two-horse race this time around. Um, before we went to the before we went to the TR, I was actually expecting it to be really neck and like even though our new method was really strong and that we were really prepared for this one. Um, Exorcist obviously had an excellent performance in Nighthold. Um, I was actually really impressed by how, how how well he did in Nighthold, and I thought going into TRS it was kind of going to be you know almost fifty fifty as to whether or not we could uh, we could get the world first. But as the tier kind of went on, it became more and more apparent that it almost felt like towards the end that we were basically racing against ourselves, and that was it. Yeah. Um, I wanted <laughs> to bring something up uh, about yeah. uh, the Exorcist post, actually. Yeah. I just remembered. Um, one thing that they mentioned, and I was thinking about it as well uh, before I saw their post, is uh, the system. Because we were just discussing how ridiculous uh, it was doing all the heroic splits um, mid-progress, yeah? We were doing seven heroic runs while we were in mythic progress. And um, I remembered, I was thinking... What is a good system to have? What is a good system to have? And I think what they said is the best, uh, which is basically what we had back in Dra back in Dragon Soul, if anyone remembers, where if you killed, it, it was like a personal lockout system. So if you killed the boss in Mythic difficulty, you could not get loot from it from heroic mode. Uh, but it was on a personal boss, um, you know, situation. So what used to happen is. You would go with your main team, your 20 people, whatever, for the boss, you kill it, and then whoever was left out, whoever was benched for that boss, 
you just did a quick uh, heroic run for those remaining people for that boss specifically kill it maybe two runs whatever you know you're not going to have that many players uh, left out and then you move on to the next boss instead of this system where you do mythic and then you just do endless and full clears of uh, heroic afterwards i don't know i just think that system was way better it's okay to do the heroic splits on the heroic quick but doing them like it's it just feels so wrong you're there you're in mythic progress and you're like okay i guess we go do heroic it's, it's just so boring so boring people literally were, were falling asleep while we're doing that uh, so i think that's the the biggest thing that i agree on from the, uh, their post yeah i think um, we, we've we've brought that up in different regards on almost every one of these world first shows like the lockout system or you know how can blizzard curb split runs and the the community might think it only affects certain guilds like the top guilds the most obviously but guilds do splits even down to like two splits in like the top 200 or more like there are tons mm -hmm. of people that do this and then blizzard now sort of reacts and balances the mythic progression based on like well if they do you know five splits maybe we have to turn it up you know the knobs up a little bit which then just cascades and keeps going to where we are now where you guys were doing seven during mythic and still having numerical problems on some of the encounters until blizzard adjusted things yeah the thing is that that is not just okay during the mythic uh, weeks that it uh, affects you it uh, i think limits a lot of people from going into mythic progression because you have to have uh, six alts prepared mm -hmm. or five or whatever and a lot of people cannot commit so much uh, outside of progression to have all those characters ready and do as i said five six mythic uh, nighthold runs during farm so if you skip those uh, somehow cut down on the heroic splits then you can uh, much easier participate or be able to join a top guild or mm -hmm. top 100 guild because as you said everyone is basically doing it um and yeah a lot of people i think want to compete but they don't have the, enough time to do so yeah there's something there i don't know if they're ever going to really fix it i don't know if they think it's a big enough problem mm -hmm. but then as we've seen with the amount of time required to push the content in a more timely fashion be part of the the raid progress world first race that becomes damning. And we've seen so many guilds over the course of Legion just stop or go casual and stop going for the raid race just because it, it, it's a combination of so many factors. So it's a wild, wild ride. But then I guess that mm -hmm. brings up the side one is that people are wondering like, well, are the top guilds just going to stream everything then? Because if the race is so tiny and there's only a few people racing like in the uh, two maybe three top guilds then why not just stream everything have you guys talked about that yet scott um we haven't really talked about it as a guild you know it's just been something that's been casually mentioned mentioned here and there i think a lot depends on um what uh, actually happens with exorcist and what they plan to do for the next tier because as you mentioned this this tier really was a two horse race um and right now obviously with method being such a I guess you could say the guild's quite stacked right now. You know, it's quite dominant. That there is a good chance that if um, if Exorcist were not raining hardcore, that Method could probably stream progress and still achieve world first. Um, so that's obviously something to consider. Right. But the uh, the goal for Method has always been to 
to be world number one. And so if there's a risk of not being able to achieve world number one uh, because we are streaming it, for example, then obviously that's something we'd have to really think about before doing, um, because obviously it would be like naive to think that we could be Exorcist while streaming, right? Right. Like that just wouldn't happen. Um, so it, it kind of depends how the how the rating scene shifts uh, from now until the next year. Because there's there's definitely parts of, of the rating community that that enjoy and for the the novelty of it and like the surprise factor they would definitely watch it but at the at the end of the day would people want to watch you die 600 times to a boss yeah for um, a week i think if yeah. uh, you have a just come then that'll yeah, take exactly. some the PV side of World of Warcraft, you know, it, it's arguably, you know, it's arguably bigger than the PvP side of things uh, still in the game. Um, right. I think if you streamed, if you streamed PvE progress, especially as a guild who's, you know, on the very brink, I mean, you only have to watch, you know, like Alpha stream to see how popular that was. Uh, like the World Third, they were pushing at that time to be the World Third guild. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think you would, you would really obviously spike a lot of viewership. Um, like I know that some certain streamers, like for example, Asmund Gold, he was streaming on the first day. Of, uh, of of progress needed like over twenty five thousand viewers, um, like just doing like a normal or her work raid. So there's definitely a lot of interest to watch uh, people raid, and especially at the very high end. Okay, Josh, we had a caveat there, and chat chat needs you. So what did you? No, just exactly what Scott said. Like I mean, this tier you had future streaming, sort of world top tennish progress. They had you know, consistently like several thousand viewers across their entire player base. Uh, uh, Alpha as well. You know, they had a few thousand at the start, just before like. Before they started dropping in world ranks a bit, they had a few thousand there. So I mean, there is a demand for it, and I think if you were going to do like the actual cutting edge people who really have a chance of getting the world first, like uh, you you would get a lot of viewers. Um, I mean, it, sort of who would those viewers be on? Like I don't know how people would feel about like actually streaming the raid and stuff, you know? Because it's if you make a mistake and it's like a one percent on a boss, you feel terrible because you've let down like ninety new friends. If you've done that in front of like 10,000 people, Dude, you just, I mean, me. you'd want to as, disappear. I'd, I'd... As, soon as, as soon as you start streaming, you need to develop, like, a, a little bit of a hardened skin because, obviously, mm. people are watching you play and they will pick up on any single mistake that you make and just, you know, try and hammer you for it in chat, right? right. So, I mean, it's just, a, it's, it's just a case that over time you kind of, uh, you, you kind of stop caring, really, you know, about people, like, pointing out these mistakes, right? So, it's it, it will definitely take some of you getting used to, it, uh, I guess, the streaming progress rating. I guess there's there's also like the logistical things of that would you would you leave in audio because like the stuff that gets talked about or I mean and I don't know how heated discussions may come up about different bosses or or the atmosphere and they're in like there's there's definitely some weird logistical stuff I think that we've never really delved into before I think this tier started some of it and we, yeah, we'll have to, like you said, we'll have to wait and see what what Antorus brings us, or the turn of the new expansion, because if the next expansion also doesn't have the Titan forging nonsense of the legendary system, and it's a way more uh, less RNG like full rating experience for a tier, then would more guilds show up, and then more in the raid race join, and then you have to go back hush hush again. So it's definitely a tier to tier looking thing. Yeah, I mean, those are all specifics. Like I said, we haven't even really discussed this on a serious note with the guild, or even as the officer team, we haven't really discussed this. So, it's uh, 
it's those are all specifics that would need to be discussed on the line because of, of course while streaming progress you know there is some limitations you can put on that even right i mean it could be a case of you know you only stream certain bosses up until like let's say the last fight or you know it, you you don't have voice comms included it's like, there's a few different you know options but obviously what people are most interested in i mean is obviously the full experience mm-hmm. um but again if it's if it's a guild that's got the potential of getting a world first then the viewership will be there and it will stay until that guild you know either achieves world first or no longer has a chance to get world first right well because the mid-show break on the horizon will then lead us into the live commentary i want to put all the juicy mythic kill jane discussion right here and there's a lot of things to to unpack in this this whole debacle and uh, in this point i put you know method did it again but you did it again in the method way that is you not only killed the world first boss before a reset no one else killed it until after another reset for seven days later, where Exorcist landed the silver medal for Kill Jaden. And I guess we've gone over it a little bit, but what sort of like post-world first, I guess, happenings, what, what do you guys do now? Like, do you take, like, how much time gets taken off? Like, what's the, like, the re-kick-up schedule is like, like, what do you guys do in the interim? And when you guys, have you ever rated uh... sense or... Yeah, this seems like quite a good question for Josh, I think. Oh. Okay, great. Uh, we, we didn't raid last week because Sko was in LA. A few people wanted holiday and stuff. So we only did... in LA, dude. Sko let the team down, basically. We could have got World Second Kill Jaden, and we didn't because of Sko is what I'm trying to say. Um, but yeah, we did the first five of the very easy bosses with just whoever was there, and then sort of just called it a like break. And I think we're going again on Monday, tomorrow. That'll probably be streamed and we'll kill everything. One shot, so easy. Should oh, be good. one shot, huh? So any wipes are your fault then, right? Is that what you're saying? Sure. We'll one, we'll one shot everything. Like, um, I, just got, I just got warning the other day that apparently Chris Potter wants to take a bit of a vacation right now, so we're bringing Xerops as the healer. I don't know if we can... I'm not sure this is going to be a one shot. We're not going to kill anything tomorrow. <laughs> it's pretty... No, Xerops did pretty, like, sick on progress. It was, like, good. Good deal. It's already happening. It's already happening. But, and then I guess, uh, I have the post up here that you guys had made. Uh, it's part of the the text-based interview on the Method website between a whole bunch of people. And uh, it's in the Just Wait section. He's talking about the hot fixes. And we'll bring up the balancing part now. And Scott alluded to this earlier, but for, for bringing this up on screen, these are undocumented. But you guys know about them. So the Friday the 7th change to Armageddon, the Monday the 10th changes to a bajillion different things, and the Thursday the 14th nerfs to the Darkness of a Thousand Souls, and then the intermission visual bug stuff. Like, like these, these all happened directly between you guys and Blizzard during progression. And they didn't make it into blue posts, not that I am aware of. And is this just a common thing? It just came to a head because of the ridiculousness of Kill Jaden? I mean, yeah, there's, there's obviously, you're saying there's some changes there that never made it to the blue posts, right? That, that's what you're saying. Right. Well, and I t- and there were just uh, this many changes in the first place. I mean, you can read them up on screen right now, but yeah, like yeah. this, how many things were just busted as hell when you got there? This is ridiculous. Yeah, it's feel- kind of funny because uh, people have seen, I guess, a lot of um, uh, viewers have seen the alpha stream of uh, when they reached the boss, how it was. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, it was quite a bit more brutal at the beginning, uh, mainly the 10 Armageddons instead of, instead of 8, 
was like it it might seem not as big but trust me two extra of those little uh, i'm not gonna say um they <laughs> they are very annoying so that just by that just by that nerf uh you save probably 20 30 percent of your wives um i don't know it's the, the original version mainly it had to do with timings and the armageddon being a bit too too overpowered let's say and the intermission. The intermission had like a deadly timing. Um, yeah. So basically, and, and those things people didn't really see, I guess, on stream. That's mm -hmm. why I'm mentioning them. Yeah. So when we first reached the fight, there was like what your brother said. There was there was ten small meteors, right? And the Armageddon was also uh, the dot damage that you actually got for soaking an Armageddon was also substantially higher. Um, and obviously, you know, you've only got twenty people in the raid. You can't soak every single. 10 meteors and two big ones with like with immunities so of course you're going to get you know quite a few people in the way with two stacks and at that point the the healing requirement is obviously really really high um so that caused a lot a lot of issues but then yeah it, the timings that we saw in intermission as well with like i think it was like knockback coming at the same time as the you meant to be soaking meteors uh or soaking beam as well like it felt like the it honestly felt like the, the fight hadn't been tested thoroughly from from uh i guess the qa side of things right and there's just, there's just a lot of things that you can't account for, maybe, and what players do. But some of the numerical things, and I was reading about this as well, is, like, they were, I mean, chat made fun of it. You know, no problem with 30 million damage focused red flames. Those are fine. Yeah, those are okay. When you can only have, like, five people soak them. So, that's okay. Yeah, that's the funny part. Like, people say, oh... You just stacked rogues. Oh, nice class stacking uh, <laughs> method. And then they're like, okay, 30 million. You got to soak that. Mm, Faint is pretty good to soak that. Right. I mean, okay, they nerfed it now to half the damage. But it's just, uh, yeah, some ridiculous number, as you said. Especially also the last phase. Um, that wasn't changed until we reached the, the phase, obviously. But it was like, it was fixed quite quickly. But... That damage was absolutely insane. I'm talking like being stacked, everyone on top of each other, pumping them heals, and still just looking at your grid going like poof, poof, poof. Like yep. it was, it was an experience to go there for the first time. Hmm. Yeah, you I had mean, oh, go ahead, Josh. Josh can tell us more about that. There was no way that I mean. I think the fight was intended for five healers, but obviously had like a three heal DPS check, so there was no like middle ground. But uh, there's five healing ads, so I'm pretty sure they intended like you to five heal the fight. But even with five healers, that last phase was just unreasonable. Like uh, your healers would have to be doing like rank one numbers, all of them, for four minutes straight without uh, like running out of mana after a 10 minute fight with all these other mechanics going on and the movement. It was like they either tested it in like eye level thousand characters or they didn't test it at all. Those were the only two options. There I mean, that's it. it. It was just completely and utterly undoable. And especially with four healers, which is what you had to run to even like get close to killing the fight viably, it's not a chance. Right. Yeah, so you had you had 654 wipes to Mythic Kill Jaden. You had 453 on Avatar. So, I don't know, you have a document, I'm sure, somewhere. Is this the most wipes you've ever had to a Mythic end boss, though? Like, of your WoW mm. career? I mean, um, I guess it's the I guess it's. I mean, the the only one that's coming to my mind really is Archimon, but I think that was about hundred wipes less. Um, yeah. I feel as if this could be potentially. 
I mean, I honestly don't remember, like, going far, like, I'm thinking as far back to bosses like, for example, Ragnaros and Firelands and bosses like that. I I would say that Kil'jaeden could potentially be the boss that we worked the most on. Yeah, but the I only thing is... Stats uh, in front of me. It's like on Avatar and on Kil'jaeden, um, the thing is you can wipe very quickly. Uh, so when we reached Kil'jaeden, we basically... As I said, the intermission was like you couldn't get past the intermission. Maybe with a few people alive, so that you can see what phase two looks like. But that's about it, until they change the timing in the intermission. So we were spamming them tries very fast on the first couple of days. I think we were right. getting like a hundred wipes per day. Um, whereas towards the end, we were doing more like fifty, maybe less per day. So that's I think the difference between Kill Jaden and Archimond. Because on Archimond, again, the first phase was a little bit overtuned, but that was changed pretty quickly, and uh, you could uh, progress through the fight more. The, the, yeah. the tries were longer. Uh, that's why you see this huge number. Same on Avatar. Um, you could, for example, say, okay, guys, let's go and try phase two, and just instantly transition to phase two really quickly to see what you wanted to do there. Whereas in any other normal boss, you would have to play the whole fight, and that's mm -hmm. an extra five minutes. Uh, which we didn't have to do, which is the best thing about the Avatar fight, I think. That's actually very clever that they did. Yeah, that's a that's a different take on it. And I was looking at, again, more stats and comparing the notes from past shows. And while we're in the balance topic here before I move us on, well, I have class stacking up next. But, like, Exorcist for the World First Gul'dan, Demon Within, only had 248. So... Was that just like a different echelon of boss entirely? Because that's like a three to one ratio almost of of time it took. But again, you know, to, to to bring this up on screen, this is what had to get fixed on Kill Jaden <laughs> to get the boss in a feasibly killable state versus Gul'dan and the Demon Within. Far far less pulls. So I think Gul'dan wasn't nerfed at all. From the original version, or there was like a five percent HP mean, nerf eventually, but, but not before you guys killed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah before we killed it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was a few, a few afterwards. But yeah, I think I think also the main reason why Gul'dan was um, killed much faster is because there is no real hard DPS check on phase one, phase two, or uh, until the end of phase two. Mm -hmm. uh, so you can progress through the fight much easier. Whereas on Kill Jaden, you must have seen a lot of times like if you get the second. Uh, I don't know what their name is. The, those DPS subs that you need to kill and they you spawn the balls. Um, if you get those second adds, you basically wipe. So that's a hard DPS check that um, you know causes a lot of um, downtime in your progression. On Gul'dan, you could get out of phase one consistently after like 50 pulls, and okay, you would wipe here and there, but it was much easier to progress to the fight. Right. The main issue as well is that Kil'jaeden in general just had really, really unforgiving mechanics. Like, across the fight you had to soak, I don't know, like hundreds of meteors. And if one meteor goes through, it's a complete raid wipe. Whereas on Gul'dan, you know, it was a little bit more forgiving. Uh, the majority of the mechanics at least. As in, you know, maybe one or two people die, but it's not a complete raid wipe. Um, so, you know, you'd waste a lot of pools just to, you know, some meteor being unsoaked. Um, and that, that's why, you know, as Roger Brown mentioned, that just reducing that from eight meteors down to six, I mean, like it originally started at 10, um, is, is actually a huge change. Um, yeah, so from yeah, 10 just, to six now. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know, right? It's kind of ridiculous. Right. Um, but that, just in general, like the soak mechanic of the meteors all throughout uh, the phase one and then all throughout a very long phase two means that, was, yeah, it was it was obviously very unforgiving. Um, one mistake and, yeah, it's over. So I'll, I'll, I want to bring I up... Think, co- oh, go ahead, Roger. Yeah, just a quick thing. I think also this time around, healers had a few more jobs on Kill Jaden to do. I don't know compared to Gul'dan. On Gul'dan, I think, okay, they had the bubble they had to use in phase one, but other than that, the mechanics were not really targeting them as much. Mm-hmm. Whereas here, they have the, the healer adds in phase two, you have to do the dispel and all that. Uh, yeah, what do you think, Josh? <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> it, it, did have, it did have a few more healing mechanics. The healing check in general was a lot tougher on that fight, actually. Like, uh, Gul'dan was a pretty easy fight to heal as, like, end bosses go. Uh, and part of the problem with the initial tuning as well was just that the da- like all the adds HP was nerfed. So to get through phase one, we had to like three heal it. So we were three healing this fight like before all the damage nerfs as well. And all of us were doing you know very high numbers to get through this phase. And you hit this intermission where you have to like five heal it because that's the damage it does there. And only residue is viable because you have to move constantly and there's no weight. Like you can't even get a single cast off. So it was a lot tougher as like end bosses go, I think, for healing. But I've not really experienced any other emboss for like that level of progression before right well that so that brings me to the, the whole class stacking and in the first case that i think i can ever recall when i was looking up and making these notes last night race stacking at least for the initial kills because as we have we've seen scrub buster says that the alliance first right so no goblins but outside of rogues so you guys use five rogues Exorcist used four. Scrubbusters also still had four. But in your kill shot, if you didn't have a disengage or a blink, they were goblins. So Yeah, I mean, it's the fight. to be fair, though, you've got to remember, it's a different version of the boss, really. Uh, there's been significant nerfs since mm-hmm. we killed it as well. So it's not like uh, it's not like they were fighting the same boss, so to speak. That's that's true. But, the, but I mean, Blizzard made, made money off of race changes like, on purpose. <laughs> that they did. And apparently, race change is quite expensive nowadays, guys. Hmm. Uh, the same as uh, character transfer. I thought it was uh, 20 u- euros in the past, but I guess mm. it got increased. Mm. Mm. Maybe it was all planned from uh, before. It's, I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't think I've ever remembered interviewing any of the world first and talking about that, oh, so if you don't have a movement, then you have to go goblin for rocket jump or you die. Like, I, I don't... I don't know. I don't want to dwell on that topic very much. I want to ask comp-related stuff, and this is another one for for chat. So, healer comp for you, Josh. Yep. So, you play Discipline for Avatar yep. and kill Jaden. For pretty much every fight this tier, yeah. Oh, uh, so, it was, so it was for the memes? No, it was... Uh, they changed it about two weeks before the tier came out. They changed the spec completely, and that made it significantly more viable for this sort of rating, and I don't think many other people, like, thought it was good enough to be like warrant swapping to mm-hmm. but i already played it like in previous days even when it wasn't so amazing so i already had the character i had it geared and i like i had a lot of practice i think it turned out okay like the damage helped massively on fallen avatar and the burst healing helped a lot on kill Jaden. and our general healing comp i think was one of the best you could run for that end boss yeah that's the that's the side question here to put you on the healer pedestal so how did you come to that that healing comp, like what made that all work? Were there multiple different forms of it before you got there, or what made that work out? And it how was, did you come to that conclusion? 
the comp we used in the end was the comp we came into the tier with. Like everyone sort of had their main characters and stuff that they played in the previous tier. Okay. And generally there'd be no major, like Holy Paladin is still required for tank healing. Resto Shaman still has so much utility. Resto Druid is still just like really strong defensively and can move a lot. So nothing had really changed in terms of those. So it was only the fourth healer spot that was a bit iffy and that was mine. Um, and obviously like I felt this would work out like pretty well and I think it did in the end. Uh, the only caveat to healing comp generally was before all the changes, Restitute was just mandatory for the fight because the intermission and stuff, the movement there was way beyond what it was now. And when you can't move whatever, you have literally no spec globals to cast anything. Like you can pretty much just play Restitute. That's the only character you can play on that fight and like not want to throw yourself off a building. So I think in terms of fight design and stuff, they mess up a little bit in terms of like how much mobility they actually put on the end bosses because it, it limits your healer selection a lot. Like healing balance is really good if you never have to move and as soon as you have to move like holy priest just drops right off stuff like that mm -hmm. yeah i think at some point didn't we go three rest of druids to try yeah, to get yeah. past that intermission yeah, we, yeah. we were just all rest of druids yeah Ugh. that's <laughs> that's an unfortunate thing that only really the the top few of you you know in the the world first race are going to ever experience but yeah that'll be it's gonna be really tough for i don't know what the other healing comps for the the newer kills that have just come in are looking like if they were that strict but I think it's funny when there's always the scuttlebutt out there. And sorry, Miss Weavers, you had your show last week. We talked about it, but I like how the discipline was always just like no one will use discipline. It's crap now in Legion. And then lo and behold, I like when that that usually happens. That's funny. And then tanking, Scott, you tweeted about this, but you went double bear, and we talked about bears on the last show with you. We ta I talked about bears with Elviona on, on their show for Gul'dan. But bears have been nerfed like 90 times. So why still bears? Yeah, they keep getting small nerfs, I guess, here and there. This is probably the patch where they had the biggest nerf. But even with this nerf, you know, they were still one of the top tank picks. And what pushes it over the edge really is the fact that you also have uh, war, which is just absolutely huge. It's been huge on Gul'dan and now it's huge on KJ as well. Like it makes like having a vor at every single meteor soak. So I was telling you earlier, for example, that uh, the meteor soaking or someone failing to soak a meteor is probably one of the biggest white reasons, and especially when progressing on the fight, when mm -hmm. there's eight, when there's eight small meteors and big, two big ones, by eliminating or by reducing the uh, chance of you wiping on the meteors, you're getting yourself uh, a lot of extra pools into the, into the later phases of the fight. So even if vor wasn't let's say necessarily vital for the meteor soak it, it basically improves your chances of not wiping to the meteors which is obviously huge on progress rate you're trying to eradicate any kind of wipe chance you can yeah right so guardian two got running two guardian druids it was primarily really for the roar i guess you could say but at the same time guardian druid itself is is still a strong tank so mm -hmm. yep and this is after the mark of ursal removal which you said is the probably the, the biggest nerf to it but that doesn't seem to slow it down very much so yeah, tank. I mean, I've made I've made obviously several YouTube videos about tank balance and Legion. Um, mm -hmm. And up until this patch, in particular, tank balance has been pretty shocking, really, really bad actually. Um, this patch has brought a lot of the tanks closer to each other. Um, but yeah, when it comes to KJ with Devora, um, it's yeah, Guardian Druid is probably the clear winner. All right then, Roger, you get to talk about DPS comp, but which is mm -hmm. also titled "I heard Rogues were good," so. Yep. And in in the coining that I put out there, and I'm pretty sure I may have coined this first, but in the Tomb of Soak Garrus, is what this is 
commonly referred to. And I was watching Entaurus raid testing, and look, there are more soaks on the bosses in Entaurus. Yeah! But anyway, the, uh, <laughs> the key thing was soaking stuff. Like, seven and a half of the bosses of nine have soaks. So is that the key reason why rogues are so prevalent? But how did you come to the your DPS comp? Because it was actually balanced. It was seven and seven. So in terms of range? melee range, you mean? Yeah, melee range. Yeah. Yeah. So the rogues, as you said, um, we click. Uh, we quickly realized that uh, the last two bosses, there's a lot of stuff to soak, and in terms of not just um, oh, you need to soak this here. One guy needs to soak here. One guy needs to soak there. No, we're talking about many people need to soak simultaneously. Um, I think I butchered that word. Anyways, mm -hmm. uh, a lot of things. So on Avatar, you have those five circles on the ground. And having the rogues able to soak them every single time eliminates so much confusion and, you know, people forgetting what to do. It's w when you have things like that, it's always best to keep it simple. So five rogues for Avatar makes it a ton easier. Um, I mean, at least the initial version. Now, obviously, you can play around a bit with it. Uh, also for the last phase, dark uh, marks or whatever they're called. Rogues again, really good. Yeah, they can also immune it themselves, the first one and then the last one, because uh, their immunity comes back uh, on. Uh, then you go to kill Jaden. You soak the Armageddons, you remove the dot. You soak the, you faint the the, the beam, whatever, the, the laser, the focus dread flame. You help out. Uh, you have the shadow step to not fall off. You just can do everything. So why not bring many rogues. The damage is fine, okay? There's other classes that can do potentially more damage overall, but the utility that you bring is just insane. So that was, I think, our main starting point, just mm -hmm. bring rogues. Um, and that, hunters, we realized are pretty good because of uh, the versatility they bring, uh, having both BM and MM being viable. Mm -hmm. So our hunters played BM on Avatar, and uh, we played MM on Kill Jaden. Uh, so we brought a lot of those. Again, you have immunities, you can soak, you can you can do stuff, uh, and the damage is fine. And then uh, Warriors were obviously the MVPs in terms of just damage overall. And we ended up, I think, we just, uh, yeah, we had two on each, um, two on Avatar and two on uh, Kill Jaden, and that's just purely for the damages. I mean, Warriors are just absolutely insane. Uh, I think they got nerfed while I was in vacation, but they're yep. still just... Whew, I, I don't know. You just sometimes see them pop off and you think that they're playing in a different expansion. You're just left back in MOP or something. Yep. Um, and I think that's it. Yeah, the Moonkins, the Moonkins isn't something we didn't really need, let's say. They didn't bring something special. It's just that they were good all around for Kill Jaden. Uh, they have the blink or disengage, whatever, um, and they have really good damage on the the ads that you need to kill in phase one and two, the DPS ads. They're blasting those. Um, you also, I don't know, you have you need to have some DPS classes. Like what else would you bring really? And uh, yeah, they also can give the innervates. I don't know, just good overall. Uh, right. I would say the the most balanced. Uh, They're, uh, uh, the Roger, most balanced. Don't, no, 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 yeah. no, 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 I'm going to edit that out in post. But yeah. I said it was refreshing to see, and the, the meta changes and the roster changes from, you know, your world first kills across the board, but at, at least 
to wrap up your thoughts on Tomb of Sargeras overall, was it refreshing to see a raid that was developed when Legion was actually out versus the unfortunate status of that Nighthold was obviously made way back in beta. We raid tested that over a year ago when the game wasn't even released yet. And you could tell that's an older designed raid encounters. Granted, apparently all they wanted to do was have you soak things in Tomb. But I'll just go around the table here. Josh, what do you think of the Tomb of Sargeras? My opinion, I think like everyone's opinion will be marred by the fact that, you know, the hotfixes and stuff, like which version of the boss do I talk about? Like the one that we killed or the one that exists now, like two weeks later that they've basically mm. gutted the fight or the one that we progressed on? Like, I, I think some of the fights were enjoyable. I liked, uh, I liked Sisters of the Moon a lot and some of the mechanics on Kill Jaden were really fun. But other than that, like mostly just disappointed by like the, the situation of the tuning in general. What did you think, Roger? End cap tomb for us. Um, I think uh, they messed up quite a bit in terms of design. I think the best uh, design boss this uh, progress was Avatar, and the only problem was uh, in phase two they um, they messed up a bit with the thing on the ground. Uh, just to quickly explain for whoever understands, uh, so in heroic mode he explodes, he does his rapture realities, and he breaks the tiles on the ground, and they've made it so that while he's running back he gets two stacks. So he increases the seer damage. Now in Mythic, they increased the radius, so he breaks more tiles, but the stacks, he gets them at the same pace. So he ended up getting three stacks, or most of the times, and it was really hard to get him to get only two stacks. And that just felt like, uh, yeah, that's the main thing that I feel like they didn't really test. Um, and on that, I think the boss was great in terms of design. I really liked... Um, uh, the, that you can go into phase two whenever you want and try that out really okay. feels like okay I can progress whenever I want I don't know I just thought that was a genius idea first time they do that um, now kill Jaden not my favorite boss obviously mainly because of the Armageddon I think that that mechanic is just bad I don't know I just don't like it I don't know why it's there for basically most of the fight almost all of it um, the rest was okay but Definitely nothing super duper um, that you expect from a last boss. The knockbacks were kind of fun, I guess, but it felt a bit like, oh, knockbacks are fun. Let's put them everywhere. Phase one, <laughs> it's first intermission. Phase two, second intermission. Oh, last phase, okay. You just get obelisks. Good luck. Bring out your rulers. Um, but I, I wanted to say about the, the earlier bosses. I think they spent way too much time with the Demonic Inquisition which ended up being um. a fight that I think no one cares about. No one really <laughs> likes that fight. And they just had to nerf it down so much because it was the second boss. And it was just like, ugh, like, I don't know. It, does anyone really enjoy that fight? It just feels annoying. There's so many bugs as well. Have you played a mage and have splitting ice there? And your ice lance just hits the other target and you gain 100 energy real quick? I don't know. Just really bad design on that one. Um, Desolate hosts... Also, very huge letdown. I don't know what that is. Uh, oh, I heard, I heard about this. A lot of the top guild, there was the scuttlebutt came up that in the Exorcist post and in your interview on the on the website that the top guild's like prepared so much for Desolate Host, and then you get there and it's just like, what's this? Yeah, I mean, the the thing is that uh, I guess the strategy they didn't expect us to do is off tainting the the Templars. I think they're oh. called, uh, which makes the fight trivial. But I don't know. It's it's kind of something you think about 
It's not the first boss where you just off tank the ads and kill the boss or kite the ads and kill the boss. That's just been a thing that you, you should consider. And uh, yeah, the fight becomes really, really, really easy if you mm -hmm. do that. So that was a letdown. And I think, uh, as I said, Avatar would be my favorite boss in terms of design and playing it. Like, I really like it. I even tweeted about it. Even though I wiped 500 times, and it was really frustrating getting the kill. Now that I know the fight, I actually really like it. And uh, Mistress was also really cool, but it is a little bit annoying with some timings. I think Mistress was a good boss as well, but the timings sometimes were um, very unforgiving and kind of RNG. I think Roger's taking Scott's time on purpose. Scott, you to be fair, yeah, it's actually, I'm to done. Be fair, that's that's actually uh, completely fine because I actually literally agree 100% with what, uh, like everything that Roger Brown just said. To be honest, like that's my exact same opinion. Is so that, that that's that all will, you're giving me, Scott? That's that's all I have really. I mean, the only th the only other thing I can say, I guess, is that the overall raid itself, um, like in terms of how it looked, like the I, I thought like the raid itself looked nice, like the mm. the uh, like, atmosphere and stuff was good. Um, I preferred it to I preferred it to how the like graphically Nighthold was, but yeah, I mean, in, in regards to like how the like how the raid really was, like uh, then yeah, I mean, everything Roger Brown said, I completely agree with. Fair it's enough. like it was scripted or something. Oh, no, yeah, I... yeah, we're totally on script for this whole thing. Absolutely. All right. Well, I want to move us along because I want to get into the new section of the show before I get into that. If you weren't here for the beginning, we're going to do a live sort of kill video commentary, almost like you know, how actors and movies, movie producers and directors talk over their videos of the movies they've made. So we're going to be doing that in just a moment. But I have to give some more shout outs real quick to those that keep the lights on and keep the show rolling. So thank you to the assistant producers over on the Final Boss TV Patreon page and digging into the behind-the-scenes stuff and the BTS podcast and things. So Truffles, Ludovicus, Tazlin, R4, Dalthier, Quen, and Vrez. Thank you all so very much. And if you want to grab the BTS podcast and stuff too, the meet and greets that I put together, the meet and greets that I put together and, uh, and record, they now become their own podcast. It's available on the Patreon page linked down below or in the video description box on YouTube. You can also follow along on the show notes, sort of see the background skeleton of how the shows get put together. There's 22 nearly hour long, or if you're interested in hearing Preacher and I talk about this expansion for two hours, that exists as well. So you can check those out. There's some BTS things and some art and upcoming stuff that's posted there, but mainly it's the podcast for sure. And if you've missed the main show podcast, of course, those are all posted up on the website. The RSS feed does hook right in to iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play Music. So you can go listen to those audio only if you'd like. So if you're listening to right now on the audio only stuff, the next section might be a little weird for you. So you can go follow along and, uh, and pull up the YouTube video, of course, for that. But all that does exist. And again, of course, the, the YouTube page where all the shows get cut up and put together all the episodes all the past ones are all there and you can go find them all in there yearly i break them up by years so you can go grab the the years they go all the way back to 2013 and uh, you can go find like baby-faced sco in there if you'd like it's i don't know it's definitely something but if you want to support the show in a more physical manner of course we do have the official final boss tv designed by humans apparel store which I do these commemorative shirts every single time, ever since uh, Warlords anyway, I've been starting doing these. So 
Exorcist Demon Within's right there, and their Xavius, and then the two Method shirts that I had for Blackhand and Archimon, the Hellfire Citadel, and the new shirt is live. I put these together with local artists that work in the uh, little sphere we work in right here. The artist I'm working right now is called Tutron, and we made the the method, uh, Mythic World First Killed Jaden. These are like little commemorative nods I throw at the guilds that work these out, and that is, of course, available now. Try new designs that we're, we're working on uh, making them just mo not look like they're... Uh, the little chibis and stuff was an interesting design with a different artist, but working on these now. So if you want to pick one of those up, there's hoodies and sweatshirts and tag tops and every whole bunch of things and a whole bunch of different colors and all those kind of crazy nonsense. So you can go check those out. Linked, of course, down below. And if you're watching on Twitch right now, if you want to follow the stream so you can keep up with all the shows that are on the horizon, I'm going to be doing the spec interview shows, of course, as we wrap up the last couple ones here. All the spec interview shows, which is the main bread and butter, those are all going to be separate. So every single time you've asked for, like, a single sub-rogue show or a Fire Mage show or a Beastmaster Hunter show, I'm doing them all separate in a new pass starting in a few months from now. So you've asked for it. It'll take even longer to get through than before, but if you really want two hours of, you know, MM Hunter, then it'll happen. So on the horizon there. So thank you for making the show work this long and, and stay going. We're going on four years now. But this is the first time I've ever done this section of the show. So let's let's hop back over here. We all you boys ready to do some commentary? You ever done this before, have you? Um, Actually, we have well, we, we kind of have, I guess, because we did um, commentary videos on the Method YouTube and for Gul'dan, for example, right, where we basically okay. like a various different uh, point of views, like one tank, one healer, one range DPS, one melee DPS, basically speaking through their role in the fighter. Yeah, well, we're doing that with all three of you, and again, we're going to be starting the video. I will drop the link in chat. I don't have the time coded one, but there's a link in chat. There's the YouTube video for Methods World First. And, I can, um, hmm? I can I link with the time, I think. Oh, if you want to do that too, Roger, that's fine. This section is kind of, this is a brand new thing I want to do on these. We're at one minute and 10 seconds. So we'll, we'll go from one minute and 10 seconds or 70 seconds into the video. If any of you, you could talk over it. It's going to be really low in the background, just a little bit of audio. If you want to follow along, you can, of course. So sync up at 110. We'll have some pauses there. I know Josh wants to bring up a couple of interesting points during the video that we'll pause and I'll go back and forth. But other than that, I'm going to, I'm going to pop this up and just let you guys, um, recant <laughs> your experiences with mythic kill Jaden. So how about we will unpause in, whoa, what's this doing? What's this? There we go. That, that wait, wait, there we go. <laughs> Let's unpause in that's the wrong video. Wait, Wait, there we go. Let's unpause. Three, two, one. So here we see the method logo. Very <laughs> exciting our, part. Our brilliant sponsors that make it all happen. Right. And here we have our top player, Mr. Derek. Yep. Actually, he ninja pulled a couple of times, I think. Wow. Mm. Really? I only, yeah. remember Noggin. I only remember Noggin ninja pulling every progress, to be honest. Anyway, so you see here we have the... Um, we've split kind of the room in four quadrants, and we have assigned people for each quadrant to soak the Armageddons. But the rogues, um, they are marked. 
Uh, you see all, all the marked people are rogues. So if you see a rogue coming to soak your Armageddon, you're supposed to step out. Uh, that was basically our strat for that. Okay. Uh, now in terms of the DPS ads, we just kept the boss standing still. We killed the first two in the front quickly, and then we wait for the orbs a bit to finish off the last one. And we send one guy to the left, one guy to the right, and we don't do the popular strategy of uh, kind of having a huge gap and kind of like, as we called it, the banana thing. Um, instead, we just moved the uh, two guys very far away, and we did the opposite way so that you have to dodge more orbs, but there are bigger gaps. Um, I don't know. It felt easier for us. Uh, it, both tactics can work, but that's what we did. Okay. Over to Joss to tell us more about this tank ad. Yeah, so the tank ad, you have to burn down. The intended tactic here is that you burn it down, it puts a debuff on the tank, and you dispel it. So when this middle knockback comes, you don't all go flying off. We opted not to do that, as the burst DPS requirement was quite high. So instead, we you kind of missed it there from this point of view, but we all click the Warlock gateway at about 0.5 seconds left. And when you're in the air on the gateway, you don't get the knockback. So we use the tank dispel here for the next knockback, which is incoming now. Yeah, the dot that the tank takes is actually hurts quite a bit, but we give the pain suppression there, yeah? Yeah, the uh, uh, skill gets PS there. And as the healer dispelling, you have to like focus on your positioning a fair bit, because it's very easy, I found out quite quickly, to get knocked out of range. And then, obviously, you're spamming dispel on someone who you can't hit, and everyone shouts at you for a bit. So you, you really want to like... There, there was very few tries where we actually had any issues with the spells, though. I was pretty impressed in general, yeah. Like, the spells were always, uh, were always really good. At the same time, though, as the tank, I was also using Rage of the Sleeper at that point, which means you're immune to any kind of knockback, which makes it a little bit easier. Um, I'm not moving away from do you wanna Do you want to quickly pause it here a little bit? Like sure. at 350. 350. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, for the intermission, uh, yeah, be before we go on, I mean, in the intermission, uh, the gateway thing that uh, Josh mentioned, we actually... Uh, we use it here, and we also use it in the second intermission, you'll see. And we had a lot of times people failing to click, or having people try to click the gateway, but there were people flying through, so you don't manage to click it. So what we ended up doing, I don't know, can I can I spill the bins, Scar, you think? Or... Oh. <sighs> uh, actually, there's a better method to do it, which we didn't yeah, know true, about. Actually, yeah, so. yeah, Oh my yeah, god. Yeah, spill the beans on this inferior Okay, method. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Guys, to do this strategy, no. Uh, so what we did is, there's actually a keybind in the... Uh, uh, like, a proper keybind in the game, where it says, interact with mouse over. And we bound that both on, uh, on our scroll wheels, up and down. And what we did is, when it was time to go, then you just... Uh, up and down the, the scroll wheel there. Yeah? I, I don't know if you can hear it from my ma uh, mic, but no. yeah. Okay. And um, what, would, what would this do? What was it doing? It, it would make sure that you send a lot of uh, commands into the game, more than you can click, so that if someone flies through, you actually get to click it, even though he's flying through, you know, in between. Um, I don't know how to explain it, but basically, instead of clicking, let's say, five times per second or whatever, you were clicking like 30 times per second. So the chances were that you would get uh, to click the gateway uh, because we're talking about a timing of 0 0.5 seconds. Okay? Um, yeah, I don't know if uh, people understand what I mean. But yeah, that's uh, generally what we did. Maybe we can... I don't know if we see it uh, in the second intermission, if someone uses it there. 
But uh, yeah, I think that like that was a lot of our wipes to people falling off because of the gateway uh, not being clicked properly. Uh, anyways, Which, I don't. Was there a certain uh, knockback you always would use that on? Because obviously the gateway has a yeah. cooldown. Yeah, yeah. So it was that one in phase one. Uh, obviously, people like hunters don't need to use it. They can just disengage every knockback. But uh, that one we used it, and I think uh, in the intermission we also used it. And then that you didn't really need it, but you could use it if you wanted to. You know, if you're like a holy paladin and you don't want to do uh, run to the orb, you could use it. Or if you were in a panic mode, if you used your blink, then you could. It was like a backup me method, but uh, it was just two times that we really needed it in the fight. Yeah, so there's a few different there's a few different ways you can handle the knockback. Obviously, obviously the the first method is the tank gets dispelled and everyone gets pulled to him as the knock's going out. There's obviously then classes of certain abilities that they can use to immune a knockback. So, for example, let's say I'm I'm saying Rage of the Sleeper here uh, on the Guardian Druid. There's then there's then also other abilities you've got to negate the knockback so for example as a druid you can obviously charge or use your interrupt to get back to the boss on the knockback um and then of course like roger brown is saying um there is the opportunity also if you don't have any of those abilities available you can always always use the portal or goblin jump i guess is another one the racial yeah this this iteration lasts so much longer than the other ones because it's funny i'm doing this final like normal and heroic because the intermission just like you just stand there a lot of the time but there's definitely no standing in the, the Mythic version. You're either always being bounced around or always soaking or always moving out your Dread Flames. So yeah. the phase at ends this, at 510 to resync up. At the same time, though, oh. this, uh, well, I guess we can talk about it afterwards, but this intermission is actually extremely, extremely easy. Yeah? Like, it's almost like the part of the fight where everyone just goes to sleep, yeah? Yeah. After they changed the timing, so, very, like, initially when we got to this intermission phase, like uh, we talked about earlier, there was like overlapping timings of like you would get knock and have to soak meteors at the same time, which was humanly impossible, basically. Yeah? Um, and then also the beam did more damage. So this the intimation phase moved basically from being un undoable to becoming like the easiest part of the fight. I mean, it's it's quite easy for DPS because DPS don't do anything. <laughs> it's uh, healers were the only ones who really had anything to like actually do this phase. Um, it, it still wasn't like a hugely challenging part for healers, but like we did rely quite heavily on having the correct calls and stuff for the orb because you don't want to like rotate your camera and heal people at the same time. It's a bit awkward. Uh, the one gripe I do have about this phase is that the spec I played, discipline, you need to hit the boss to heal people, uh, and yeah, yeah. here the boss is out of range for ninety percent of the phase, so it just I seems just like saw bad you someone. <laughs> yeah, but you're I, about. It, like you're doing a tenth of the healing of actual real healers in this mm. phase. It's it's not. You couldn't. You can heal the th like uh, you can three heal the phase like we did, but it's it's just not fun to play. Like I, I didn't enjoy playing this phase at all because I felt it was badly designed. Okay, one last thing about the intermission is you can actually see in the kill video there's a, a certain weak order that pops up as the phase in, as the intermission ends, which says rune up, <laughs> because mm -hmm. uh, we actually because we had so many wipes in fallen avatar and um, uh, kill Jaden that we were actually running out of runes. We had like. I don't know how many we spent. Uh, so I, in the end, we just said we don't need the rune for phase one. We're making the DPS check easy. So if we manage to do the intermission with no deaths and everything's going good, then we rune off. <laughs> we actually saved a lot of runes with that method. Uh, just a quick uh, little nifty thing yeah. people might have missed. So if we're at, we're at 510, we can unpause in 2, 1 and keep going. Wait, which part of the video are you on right now? We're at 510. 510. Yeah, we're in phase two now. 
520. Yeah. 520 now. Yeah. Let's go. Tell us about this phase. Well, actually, my video stopped offering. I see. I'm seeing Josh point of view right now, though. Yep. Yeah. Uh, for the big Armageddon's, uh, what we did, because you can see Scott soaking here. Um, you, we had, uh, yeah, as I said, Skull or Just Wait tanking usually one of them, taking one of them. And then the second one, we had either a Hunter, um, a Rogue with Cheat Death, which maybe a lot of people don't know you can do, um, or a, uh, the, we had the Paladin as well. What else did we have? I don't know. I think that was it, yeah? Hunter, Rogue, or Paladin. Uh, taking the second one, because it's actually not that easy for two tanks to take both of them, yeah? Uh, unnecessary boss movement and all of that. Plus, you have the fell close stacks. So that was our general strat with uh, the big Armageddons. Where are the purple yeah, cuddles from? Uh, that's the healer ads. Oh, Josh, that's the healer ads. Josh? Yeah. We kind of we <laughs> skipped over them entirely there. It spawns five ads. You have 30 seconds to heal them up. The healing requirement is pretty hard. Uh, but Holy Paladin, playing Aura Sacrifice, can just basically solo heal them. So on pretty much every single heal I had, we just had Curry who absolutely destroyed them mostly. Like, uh, And it's a huge it's a huge benefit to have like a Holy Paladin just solo heal them, because they were a problem until we realized we could just use Aura Sacrifice. Yeah, basically there was, I don't know anything about Holy Paladins, but it was like, Curry, did you get the proc? And if you got the proc... <laughs> The, the healer ads were gone in five seconds. If you didn't get the proc, I don't know. I don't know what the class balance is with that thing, but uh, you were seeing some 10 million holy shocks apparently. I don't know. Yeah, I mean the the holy paladin there is doing like 80% of the healing to those ads. So and that because there's still raid damage happening at the same time, you do want other healers to still like focus on healing your raid. You know, when all of us were healing it, people were just ticking down and then getting quite annoyed at not getting heals. The thing about this phase as well is um, there's only really one scary moment, and that is when the DPS ads spawn, which is coming up, uh, I don't know, should be soonish? Uh, where do you yeah, have like your big wigs go? 15 seconds, oh. 15 seconds from now. Yeah, so yeah. this is the scary moment because in phase one, you have bloodlust when you kill them. In phase two, you don't have bloodlust, and we didn't want a second pot. We wanted that for the last phase. So what we did is... Because you see them spawning now, this is a pretty scary moment because three people get that. Then you need to soak all the Armageddons, which there were ten of, including the two big ones. So that was a pretty scary moment. And then you need to blast these ads. Uh, but because there is bursting dread flames coming right after, what we did is we killed the front two real quick. And then you can already see the, uh, there's an Ankh totem down already. So the third guy, which is Jinji in this scenario, goes in front of the boss and gets killed from the fell close that he does so that there's no third orb spawning as you can see now the dread flames move out easily there's wow. no like normally there would be a bunch of orbs flying around which makes it a lot more hectic obviously yeah so yeah ankh totem was pretty nice to have there don't waste the rest as well uh, the rest as well and i think we saved a lot of lives from that um yeah. i think we're getting the healer ad soon yeah, you get you get a knockback, which is from Moon in this one, and then we get healer ads. Oh, there they are. You can see them on the top right. Boom. This one, uh, we were really unlucky with. Um, in the actual kill, Curry had like almost no crits, he had almost no procs, so where he'd normally destroy them, we were... I mean, non actually exploded, we did manage to heal them up, but towards the end, like all four healers were just spamming them like single target, which you don't normally have to do. 
What do the healer we'll ads do if you do not heal them in time again? They ex they explode on the raid. So even if you do heal them, they explode on the raid for like I think in 500k damage ish. But if you're there, if they're not full, they're gonna just destroy your raid. Like you're just gonna wipe to the damage from them. Um, and they restore a little bit of mana. So theoretically, you want to stagger them, but we didn't find that to be worth it. It was better to just focus on like healing them up and surviving it rather than trying to like min max mana return. No. The problem is that the timing on uh, those uh, healer ads exploding lines up with Armageddon and Bursting Red Flames, so you can take that little extra damage from them and actually have people die. Happened quite a bit. So we usually said, like, what's your health here? And if Kuri didn't instantly blow them up, uh, people needed to watch out because, uh, you know, use a personal in case you're soaking um, an Armageddon or... Uh, have a bursting dread flame on you. And uh, now here we're about to enter the next phase. So what we did is we needed to really like I don't know if you caught that. Um, maybe you can replay it in a sec because now we're transitioning. Mm -hmm. But that killing the ad there in the end of uh, this phase was pretty tight actually on the kill because you need to kill it to dispel the tank afterwards and grip everyone on top of him. And the knockback came basically exactly when the uh, uh, when the ad died, or when yeah, this, you, uh, yeah, yeah, it's basically like an instant dispel at that point, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm showing it again a few times. So, but you're talking about the wailing reflection, the big old bear ad right there. Yeah, yeah, it just waits, and you get it right when the laser is going out at the exact same time too. Yeah, the laser doesn't really matter. It's just a knockback. Like, if we didn't kill the ad within the next 0 0.2 seconds of uh, of what we did, then um, we're going to also fly off way too far, and then Joss is not in range to dispel the tank even. So it's a, basically a wife. Yeah, here, I'll, I'll show it on the screen one more time. It's in the, the top corner right here, if you're watching live, the skull marker. This is where the singularity is falling. Watch how quickly the singularity explodes and the dispel happens here. That's what they're they're discussing here. Yeah, but you need to kill the ad first to be able to dispel. Like that's the the main thing. That's so. If you don't fast. kill the ad. Yeah. So we're at uh, we're at ten twenty five to resync with you guys. Ten twenty five when you go into the intermission two. So unpause. Yeah. Um, oh, wait, 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 wait. Oh? Before you do that, I want to quickly explain something because then everything goes dark, yeah? You can't mm -hmm. really see. So go before he, uh, before everything goes dark. So as you can see, we drag the boss to a corner, and that is for two reasons. The first reason is there is ads that spawn. Uh, and the, the ads spawn around the boss. They don't spawn on people. So you want to try to have those ads spawned close to him, okay? Huh. Now, the second reason is because... Illidan jumps down, right? And you need to find Illidan in the intermission. But the place where he jumps is not random. The, the, um, we tried it a lot on Heroic. We actually went back to Heroic mode to test this out and see where he actually goes because we thought, okay, maybe it's not random. Um, and it basically is in a certain distance from the boss, uh, but it's random. So. Uh, if you can see uh, where people are positioned, if you go to like 1028, for example, you can see we're building an arc around the boss, like 40 yards around, so that people are already next to wherever Illidan can spawn. So as soon as you see him, then the ping comes on the minimap. If people see the minimap, 
there will be a ping as soon as uh, Illidan jumps down and everyone knows exactly where to go. Uh, but yeah, it was crucial that we have an arc of people at all the possible positions where Illidan can spawn. Uh, yeah. That's really neat. Yeah, you made like a like you made your own like outside of a square box. You have people that can fall back to the sides. I didn't know he spawned at a certain distance from Kill Jaden. That's super interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the phase starts at ten thirty-eight is when it all goes dark. So we good to go to do the this intermission phase then? Yeah, yeah. Let's go ten thirty-eight and go. And unpause, yeah. Yeah, so you see the ping on the minimap, everyone runs there. And then if you are quick enough, you can stun the ads and not let them jump. But here we weren't too fast. We got some of them, I think. Um, and you'd get two knockbacks here, basically. Uh, you have 30 seconds to finish this phase, otherwise you get more knockbacks and it's pretty bad. Oh, there you just saw the, the, the um, thingy. What's the called? portal. The, the portal, yeah. Is that the Warlock portal to get back to Illidan faster? No, no, it's just so that you don't fall off, because uh, normally, I guess, the intended version, uh, the intended way to handle this is you have four people in the four corners and call out where the knockback is going to be from, but we just said, yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> let's just not do that and just uh, ignore where it comes from and just Warlock gateway it, because it doesn't matter where it comes from if you gateway it, and then just disengage, because you can react wherever it is from, and just disengage back. How do you so know where we, the singularities are coming from? Do you have to have people in the corner? Yeah, we don't care. To... We, don't, uh, we, don't, okay. we don't know where they're coming from. Okay. Uh, in the dark. You, we don't care, basically. It doesn't All affect... the ways we survive them are like, irrelevant of the direction it's coming from. The gateway is irrelevant of the direction, and like jumps and stuff. As long as you point towards the center, it doesn't matter which way you're knocked, you're going to survive it. Huh. That's crazy. That's why the that's why the gateway is very crucial, because I mean we'll get to it uh, later on. But we were really close to having hitting and rage there. Yeah, I mean it wasn't a perfect phase three, but you you need to push that intermission fast enough, otherwise you're just gonna die to enrage. So it's crucial that you do not take it slow there. You need to pu uh, push, 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 and uh, transition at the appropriate time. I think I'm watching the intermission a few times here. You said you have about 30 seconds to do this intermission, correct? Yeah, so what happens is um, you have 10 seconds where nothing happens. And then the first uh, knockback, uh, knockback uh, bomb spawns, okay? And it takes it 10 seconds to land. And as soon as it lands, the second knockback bomb uh, spawns. And then it takes it another 10 seconds to land. Okay. Um, but... Um, then there is a 10 seconds of nothingness, and then another two spawn, two knockbacks with 10 seconds in between. So you, you basically need to transition and play only the first two knockbacks. If you get the third knockback, it's really bad. Um, and yeah, you have, I think it's 30 seconds until the, that uh, happens. Or is it 40? I'm kind of confused now. I don't know. Based on but the, yeah, you, the, the cut is looks like you have like, I think we're in this phase for like 35 seconds in total. Okay, yeah, so it's 40 seconds. Yeah, sorry. It's 40 seconds. Um, I, I guess you can also see it probably in the big wigs timers. Uh, you can see the spawns of them. Uh, and basically you don't want the number three rupturing singularity. Let's see. 
if you can see it. Yeah, you can definitely see the timer. You guys transition out of the phase with uh, with four seconds before the third one spawned. Yeah, wow. Yeah, exactly. Like that's the timing you want to do. You need you you want to play the second orb and then you want an intermission. Otherwise, you can intermission. Everyone is grouped up. You pop all the healing cities to not die from the darkness of a thousand souls, and then an orb just knocks you all off. Mm. You know. Because the, the orb or still lands. Yeah, the orb still Okay, wow. Yep. Yeah. So we're at 11.15 then. We move on to phase three. Yeah. Unless Josh wants to talk about the uh, the healing requirements. Yeah, 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 yeah. If you yeah. want to talk I mean, about that. It's... You can't heal when the darkness drops before you yourself get the Illidan buff. So it's just like this five second window where all the healers are still running there before we all have the buff where it's a little bit sketchy. But other than that, it wasn't too bad and it's been nerfed already since then. So it's like, a, it's, it's a fairly, like, you don't need a lot for it. The phase two was much harder to heal. Yeah, there's a, a short moment when no one is healable, but then you guys get, because you find Illidan so fast. Yeah. Well, the way we also did the arc was we spread healers, so, you know, we didn't have us all in the middle. I was on the left, and then sort of Gozzi was on the right, and then we had two in the middle. So no matter where he spawned, one healer would get it within a second or so. You know, one healer would be there right away, and then, you know, you can just start healing the group. It's only that window before everyone has it that's, like, really sketchy. But we had raid CDs for that as well, so it was mostly fine. When uh, when did the healers drink, by the way? Is it the phase uh, two, or...? Various points during the fight, so we, we staggered it like really heavily. Uh, three people in phase two at various points, and then Gozzi in phase three. Okay. So it was just whenever there was never a point where there was like properly 10 seconds of downtime, it was just okay, we can three heal this for 10 seconds, so you can drink now. Mm -hmm. Dang, so good to unpause for phase three at 11 15 mm -hmm. and three, two, one, unpause. All right, let's go. This is your face, dude. Is it though? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, basically we just gather up for the first darkness. We use the barrier there to obviously reduce the uh, the, the uh, damage because we don't have a tier rift yet. And then it's just a case of we are waiting for the uh, first obelisk to spawn. And this is obviously something that's been drastically changed. We're seeing five obelisks spawn here on the very first uh, wave. And what you see here is Skype, our raid leader. He is actually one of the two assigned people to find one safe spot on the platform from all five of those obelisks. We had Skype and we also had one of our balance stewards running around, Logok, who was doing this. But what you see there is that we actually gathered him, gathered him first to bait the orb, and then he's going to mark the safe spot we moved to afterwards, yeah? So we basically gathered, baited the orb, and then moved to the safe spot after the orb was uh, on one of the designated people. Um, that, okay, that's for the... That's not for the first obelisks, that's for the second obelisks, Scott. The baiting of the orb. Um, the first obelisks, you first uh, have them explode, then the first orb spawns, and then two more orbs spawn. And the third one is right before the second obelisks explode. So, yeah, you can see it there, I think. We're about to, yeah. I don't know, it's a bit desynced, but yeah. Um, You'll see whenever we get an orb spawn, we kite it for a long time. And the reason for that is on Mythic, the Rifts themselves have health. And the longer the orb is kited for, the less damage it does to the Rifts, so the more players you can soak inside the Rift. No matter how good you are, you're never going to get all 20 players to be able to be inside the Rift. You have to sit some people out, and they have to take the damage and take the second stack. So, like, right there, we have, like, Sko taking two stacks. Uh, Vossi, at that point, took two stacks as well, and uh, Gozzi sacrificed himself as well. Yeah, again, we just... used the Anx... Sorry, go ahead. Go on, no, go on, 
Yeah, we uh, basically that's the new mythic thing which people probably don't know too much about. That the terrorists have HP and they take damage from the flame orbs as they suck them in, and they take damage whenever you are in them when the thousand darkness souls, whatever that name is, Matt. Um, hits you inside uh, and you're standing inside. Uh, which was quite interesting because the first time we go there and everyone is alive and we're like, okay, get in, get in, get in. And then four people die or five people die and we're like, what are you doing? Just play it safe. Just get in. And they're like, I'm lynching a streamable. I'm lynching a streamable right now. I was in before you and I still got it. What is this game? And then we realized, oh, okay. I guess some people need to stay out. Hmm. Uh, which is funny because... Because apparently you could see the HP of the rift only if you use default raid frames and <laughs> uh, def default um, boss frames. Sorry, oh. the default Blizzard boss frames. They showed the rift HP, and there was only one guy who was using it. Was one of our healers, and then after like wiping ten times in that phase or something, and no one knew what, you know, like we were discussing what what is going on here, and he's like. Oh, yeah, I can see the HP of the rift. Well, you guys can't see it? I thought everyone could see it. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't know why it's uh, it's weird, apparently, how it's coded in to the game, that HP. But um, that's uh, the main new thing in there. And obviously the obelisks, as uh, we said. For this last wave of obelisks, like we looked at the boss HP, and I think everyone sort of knew that if we survived this, because I don't think we'd ever survived this one before, with everyone alive, we would just kill the boss. So we're kind of at the safe spot, and then we do survive it. And I mean, at this point, that's when like the cheering and stuff started straight away. Like we just knew well, no matter what happened, like, we couldn't die. Uh, well, first, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly, dude. <laughs> just about world first, man. I actually didn't even have the berserk timer on my big wig, so I didn't know it was. I must admit, know. yeah, I didn't realize it was close as it was until after we killed it. Um, I think we were what was it, thirteen fifty-seven? Yeah, we had a few seconds. We had like three seconds or so until the 14 minutes. So it's a 14 minute enrage timer then on Mythic. Is that what? Did, yeah. the, inter did the intermissions not count toward the timer or something then? Like, how does that. Everything do? counts. Everything yeah. counts. Yeah, that's why, that's why Roger Brown was talking about why it was so important for us to get out of the darkness phase ASAP. Because if we didn't, if we did use like an alternate strategy without the, the gateway, we probably would have hit that berserk timer in the last phase and it would have been over, yeah. Yeah, watching it on your final berserk in 10 seconds when the nerve screens start happening and then the kill screen comes up, yeah. And I mean, that berserk is going to wipe you really fast. It increases the ticking damage to a point where like almost everyone just gets one shot. So, you know, if you don't make it, you've only got a few seconds after that to let dots stick and then everyone's gone. Yeah, the, there was a point in that fight, by the way, in the last phase where I actually dropped down to like 1.5k hit points. My, my, uh, I was actually at 0.0% hit points. Um, like when the boss had like 200 million hit points left, and I, remember, I think if you listen to the voice comms, you can actually hear me be like, hear me be like, you know, give me some healing, like heal me, <laughs> like, I was like, what's going on here? Like, are these healers just completely zoned out? Like, <laughs> Josh, you want to defend yourself or <laughs> what? Heal, I mean, Josh, come on, yeah, just was, one heal, man. It was my bad. You, I actually watched the point of view, and I, I did shield you like. A tenth of a second after that hit, like uh, I think I found I was... it. The boss is two hundred and seven million, and Sko on the default grid at the current state. We are. I don't think there's any HP on his bar. Look, where is it? <laughs> what, what, what timing is this? Uh, I'm I at fifteen oh eight. Kill Jaden's at two hundred and seven million. 
and you physically had no HP, then you get healed back up. Is that the to point? Be fair, yeah, that is the point. But to be fair, like um, on in this regard, we actually haven't reached the last phase that many times, like th this far into the fight. And generally, when you're actually tank, I guess it's the same for healing. Obviously, when you're tank, well, it's the same for everyone. Basically, when you start doing the same boss over and over on progress, you start to get very used to the timings of uh, of when exactly you're going to be using all your abilities, uh, right. like all your kind of cooldowns, all your big, all your big kind of stuff. But we haven't really reached, obviously, that close to killing the boss um, that many times. So it was still, I guess, you could say relatively on the fly kind of progress um or kind of uh so the adrenaline is obviously pumping a little bit um and i'm not saying that there was absolute perfect play obviously um so yeah that's obviously the reason probably why it, why it happened oh gosh they're there i'm trying to get it on the uh, the, the target of target on the screen here i have to like start and stop the play I mean, I can oh. tell you, it was, it was literally 1.5k points, 0.0 percent. You can see it on my own. Like, I obviously, I've released my own point of view on YouTube, and you, if you, you if you watch the video, you can see it 0.0 percent. There it is. It's only for a few frames, as the film nerd in me, I, I, I watched. I'm looking, it's, I'm trying it's to get not, the frames. Like you, yeah. You're not, you're, yeah, there you go. You caught it there, I think. Yeah, there, there it is, right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have. <laughs> it, looks like the, one... it looks like the remnants of a powered shield or something. I had like 1,500 hit points, I think, at that point. That is it was so, crazy. It was close, yeah. And to be fair, I was actually using um, the two best defensive legendaries for Guardian Druid throughout the, the, this progress as well, because, you know, uh, like the way that we were playing it, we didn't actually need like the uh, extra DPS in like phase one, phase two. So if I wasn't using them, I guess I would have probably been ripped, but yeah. Also, that is wild. Since you've paused the picture there, take a look at the top left you see two people 18 people playing one expansion two people are one expansion ahead oh mm, well yeah. yeah i have the you talk about the dps in the corner yeah i have to actually unpause the video so the text goes away but um you're talking about the warriors yeah <sighs> mm. yeah arms arms has seen which is funny because you guys get this kill and it's also neat to see when Blizzard drops certain nerfs. And I, I wonder, I have to go timestamp this. I'm pretty sure the Arms Warrior nerfs were right after, like the, the reset after you guys yeah, got yeah. this kill. Yeah. They nerfed the Held and the Execute Ring. So, but it's only fitting, you know, I guess yeah, it has been mentioned before, but on Kill Jaden, we had, uh, I think, two Warriors and uh, Fragments was playing a Warrior. And here again, kill Jaden. Couple of years later, same date. You know, I don't know. I think it was fate. You mean not bring... yeah. kill Jaden? Yeah. Oh yeah. What did I say? Kill Jaden, I think twice. So then I was thinking all. Oh like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Archimon. Like, and I was like, what? No, no, no. Yeah, Archimon then kill Jaden. Yeah. Well, that's wild. Well, that was crazy to walk walk through that. Oh yeah, one last thing, which I, I don't know why Scott didn't mention. Mm-hmm that uh, in the last phase helped us a lot is uh, a certain cooldown that the, the druid tanks have, which made it so that we only needed one safe spot for the DPSers and healers. And then the tanks, they could just stand somewhere else. And even if they got hit by an obelisk, they, they could survive it because, well, they're, they're druids. Uh, but also they don't get knockback because of some resident sleeper. I don't know. Is that really? No, okay. Watchman's <laughs> talking about Rage of the Sleeper again, like the uh, the Druid artifact ability. Um, obviously that avoids that stops you from getting like any kind of knockback stun, blah blah blah. So it works on the knockback and it also works on the obelisks. 
but to be fair, it's it's not necessarily required. You know, if you pop like survival instincts and uh, you get hit by the obelisks and you can charge back using, you know, your, your druid interrupt. Um, so yeah, basically we made sure we had cooldowns, like the tanks made sure they had cooldowns for every single obelisk wave on the last phase, just in case we did get hit and, you know, we didn't want to waste our, you know, 12, 30 minute try because the tank gets uh, splattered and then he fell close the raid, for example, yeah. Right. I think it's quite easy looking at a kill video to like not appreciate how difficult those obelisks actually were to find and stuff. Like, uh, I'd say pretty much all of our phase three wipes were just obelisks. Like that was it. That was the only mechanic that was really relevant in phase three, in for like the majority of progression. I yeah, we even we even tried at some point a strategy where, okay, guys, if like we had Scribe looking around for a safe spot and he said, if I don't find a safe spot and they're about to explode, I'll just say, guys, no safe spot. Just handle it. Actually, and I we remember, were supposed. I remember on some tries, like Skype was just like, I can't find it. Like, I, can't, I can't find the spot. Like you're waiting to like, hear. Oh, shit. You're, you're waiting to see the the mark on the ground, and and there's silence, and no one is speaking on TS, and and then it's like, yeah, there's no safe spot, guys. And then we actually tried at some point to a strategy where you literally jump off the platform, and then you disengage back on it. So that you know you don't get hit by the obelisks. If there's no safe spot, you know that's that's the backup, but didn't really work out in the end. Um, I remember because I only have obviously heroic experience with this, and the obelisks were a changed thing that affected all difficulties now. And I remember, and I've been talking about this before because people brought it up in my chat because they've watched my heroic kill video right when the from the first week, and they were like, "You guys just stood in obelisks, like they didn't do anything." And no, because they were fixed the first real reset when Mythic came out because they weren't working properly. The knockback was like, eh. It would just like barely push your character. But then we went back to the second kill and you get by an obelisk and you are you are gone, man. So yeah. with the fact that there are more obelisks in Mythic, that's terrifying. But again, they've also toned that down now. So... Where is the... You guys haven't done a rekill yet, so I'm, I'm curious to see. We'll need some tweets coming out from you guys when you get a rekill on on how that that phase works, because there's Ooh. less of them. Well, we're going to be yeah. doing the uh, reclear tomorrow, so I oh. guess you guys can tune in on the uh, on the Mathis streams and you'll see the reclear. Yeah, that would be great. Anything else to wrap up with Kill Jaden before we let chat have their way with you? <laughs> I don't know what to say it. Uh, I don't know. I just, I just think the obelisks... I don't know about the Skull and Joss, but... For me, it was kind of a, like a letdown, because that's like the the big mechanic of the, the the that phase, and it just felt pretty boring. I I mean, it's it's fine, you know, when you find the safe spot, you're like, oh, let's go, let's go. But I don't know. I really expected something more interesting. Let's say on Gul'dan, the last phase, you have like the the bubble, and you go and you're safe, and and then the big blow up happens. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, you already mentioned previously that you didn't think Kil'jaenim was, you know, that good to fight, and I mean, I, I agree with that. It, Kil'jaenim, in regards to, like, an end boss, uh, it definitely wasn't one that I'm gonna, you know, remember fondly. Um, yeah, I'm not gonna look back on Kil'jaenim and think that that was, that was fun, and that was, you know, a good good progress, to be honest. Uh, so, I guess we'll just, we'll grab the nitty-gritty and weave this in right now, then. Because um, if chat has questions, feel free to do that. But I, I guess the first question I want to, to tack on to that then is there was a back and forth between Mythic Gul'dan, Demon Within, being a fight that many 
players across the spectrum have praised as a very fun encounter because the players had control of the encounter. It harkens back to like Heroic Lei Shen. You controlled that encounter, right? Like you picked pillars, like you picked positioning, you picked phase timings, you did all this stuff yourself. So was the Kill Jaden fight such a different side of that? Because like where the orb spawn was random, where the meteor spawn was random. So was that one of the, would, where would you put that fight in, in back and forth comparatively? Like a step down, it sounds like? Like Josh, what do you, what do you think first? Yeah, I, I agree with what you said that in the, you know, a lot of the fight is just dictated to you by the position of stuff. There's a very rigid way to handle it and tactics mattered, but only the only tactics that I felt really changed a huge amount in our progression was tactics that let us cheese some aspect of it. You know, like the gateway was big to find out and obviously realizing we can ape and like ancestral protection totem, it was big. So other than that, I don't feel like tactics, it was more just execution outside of the tactics that were, how do we cheese this? How do we get around this ridiculous mechanic that you know, isn't fun to play because it's not viable and, like, it's, it's just not enjoyable. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You anything, Roger? I, wanna... Yeah, I think I'm thinking back to other things. Um, well, the main, the main mechanic that you have to deal with is the Armageddon. And as you said, being it random, basically the hard part was communicating most of the times without even speaking to each other, you know, and trying to assign something that could literally be all 10 of them on one side of the room and nothing on the other side. Um, so you kind of have to learn to to predict what other people are going to do around you. Have some kind of, you know, you need a few pools to see uh, how people play and all that. But I don't really like that kind of um, mechanic in terms of that, because that was the, the thing where you needed personal you know, to play good, everything else is kind of like, oh, I got the laser. Okay, I stand still, mm -hmm. heal me up, rogue soak. That's not the hard part. Um, comparing that to other end bosses, I think it's uh, way a very big letdown. Think, mm -hmm. let's say, for example, on Blackhand in phase two, you're, you know, you have the guy who is kiting around the demolisher. Um, you know, you have, as you said, more control. You're playing. You're, you're, you know, you're doing stuff. It's not just oh, this is what the game gave me, quickly yeah. let's try to do something and, you know, handle it. I, I prefer mechanics where it's, okay, this is something really hard to do, handle it. And you need to play good there. And it's up to you to do it. And it's not, oh, you know. Oh, also, one, one last thing about the Armageddon. We actually had a lot of problems. We realized some things um, that some of our players... You know how there's lag when you walk together with another person and you in your screen, you're in front of them. Oh, and yeah, in their yeah, screen, yeah. they're in front of them. Right. So that went to a complete extreme addition with uh, especially one of our players where he literally was one phase ahead of uh, us. We were still playing phase one and in his screen, he was playing phase two. Where uh, you, would <laughs> see, you would see him coming to soak your thing. He would already be there. And he would be like, come on, move out. And you're like, wait, like, I, I don't know. Are you going to get it or not? Um, how, so yeah, I don't... how is that? Uh, that's so wild. How is that a thing? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe we'll post some clips of that uh, later on. I don't know. There is a few clips. I don't know. Maybe I can find one while uh, Josh answers the next question. Well, 
That's crazy. I didn't. I didn't know. And I guess there's a you know a small question in chat, I suppose. And uh, and Scott's been around a long time. So which fight wins as a kill Jaden fight? Toilet bowl kill Jaden in TBC, or kill Jaden on the back of his burning crusade legion spaceship in the twisting nether? Uh, the TBC fight was much better. Like the TBC fight actually is probably the most memorable raid encounter that I've ever experienced in this game. Um, and killing that was actually like the, the best memory I actually have of playing World of Warcraft. So I, I mean, I definitely have to go with TBC being a much better experience. Fair enough. I probably because again, even going back, old raid design is very different than than now raid design. But even thinking yeah, about sure. that, like you controlled the dragons, you controlled the orbs, you controlled like how the 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 the, the sphere mechanic, the crazy shadow orb thing worked. Like you did stuff. Like you had impact. Where I guess a lot of what rings true is it's like when the fight is just like here's some RNG and a little bit of there and a little bit of that. It's just not not that fun. Not that yep. fun. There are questions about streaming progression coming up in chat. We talked about that earlier in the show. It was a chunk of talking about streaming progression earlier in the show. And actually, we did we did send Roger Brown a chair, Drax Les, but unfortunately, the uh, chair normally only comes in a small version. The F series and Roger Brown is just a little bit too big for the. <laughs> The normal FCV version. Wow. <laughs> okay, Scott, what version do you have, mate? Do you have the small version or? Hmm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a small guy, I mean. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Okay, I found I found one of the clips. Hold on. Okay. I, that's not for the Armageddon, but it will give you a taste of how far behind in our screen the person was. Um, posting it in the chat now. Wait, is this it? Yeah, that would be interesting. That would be that'd be funny. Yeah, look at that. Like, you know how the orbs work in uh, Phase Three? How do they work? Wait, they did fix you put it, it in some. Did you put it in no, stream chat? I'm, I, yeah, yeah, I'm putting it in a sec. But answer me this: You know how the orbs work? They fix it on a per person and they follow them, right? Mm -hmm. Well, check this clip out. I have to actually watch this. Let me let me check this out so I know what you're talking about. Oh, this clip. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Wait, how is it? How is he? He's behind it, but it's following. He's pushing the, it. He's, he's pu pushing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here, here it is. He's pushing it. Look. <laughs> that is a that is weird. Yeah, for sure. That's an interesting one with some net code that may have to be looked at. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. I don't, I so that's, a, as, as I was saying, yeah, in his screen, obviously, he's in front of it. But in our screen, he's miles behind. Right. Which caused uh, some uh, confusion with the Armageddons. Was there any like, big letdown uh, that you guys, there was no secret mythic-only phase of Kill Jaden by chance? Well... I've heard, Scott, I was there when you talked about the secret mythical, mythic only phase on your live stream after your post stuff. Uh, I'm not going to get into that. But, because uh, there was some data, I have this down here too. There was some data mine stuff from the Tomb of Sargeras PTR that was talking about the, the, the smith that made the blood DK axe that wanted to kill, kill Jaden way back in the day. And there was some log. Maybe they just took the whole phase out or something. But, were you... Surprised there was no mythic only phase or let down at all or 
when I saw when we saw the fight length, I guess for phase three, unless the mythic phase was going to start like when the boss is at twenty percent or something, I, we, I guess we kind of knew that you know it's not going to be longer than like fourteen minutes, right? Mm-hmm. Like the fight was already very long and in, in its in its own. I mean, if you can imagine progressing all the way through forty minutes and then also having to progress on a completely new phase that's never been seen before and not in the dungeon journal, I mean, Kiljana wouldn't be six hundred fifty tries. It would be you know at least a, probably like a thousand six hundred fifty tries or something, yeah. Because yeah. he's actually getting through all that waves of meteors and actually getting into the last phase to actually progress requires a lot, yeah. Yeah. I think maybe what I expected personally is that instead of getting the phase three that we got, you would get something completely different, mm-hmm. reminiscent yeah. of what uh, happened with Archimond, if you remember. You just don't do the last phase and you go into the Twisting Nether. Because as I said, the, those abilities again, if you remember Archimond, last phase in heroic mode, they're kind of like meh. Okay, you have like some meteors landing and some infernal spawning, and then some ads that follow people and you need to kill, and that's it basically. Yeah. So I was a, it. It felt similar to that. So yeah, mm, didn't okay. happen. Maybe maybe that was their in- initial intent, but then they said, ah, just do what we did in heroic and just make it a bit harder. I don't know. So here's here's yep. a question that I can. Do you have anything to add, Scott? Or No, I mean, what Roger Brown said previously as well about the last phase actually just being obelisks again. I mean, I guess I was initially a little bit surprised when we got there and it was kind of just that, yeah. Um, but once we started progressing, it became apparent, you know, that there is no hidden phase. Like, this is it. Yeah. <laughs> so here's, here's one for Josh then. Because this is your first big foray into the amount of time you just put into this tier and this raid and this boss in particular. This this came up, I think, a little bit on Twitter, maybe, or in the Exorcist Reddit thread, too. Uh, Zell asked this in chat. Do you think the difficulty curve of Mythic Rating is too curvy? So the beginning boss is too easy, end boss is too hard. And as a casual Mythic Guild, coming from their perspective, we often find that the, the first two or three bosses are almost way too easy. And then very quickly, brick wall for months. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the entire, the whole Desolate Host thing being too easy, Mistress being too hard thing, I think that's just... Like, you know, that's their own tuning problem. Generally, I think it's actually okay. The one thing I would say is I think they nerf end bosses overall far too quickly. Like, for me personally, my ideal would be like end bosses being this very aspirational thing where you get to do bar bug fixes the same fight that the guild that killed it first did, you know? Like, uh, I think it would be okay if a guild kind of had to sit at 8 out 9 for a bit and admit that maybe they had to play better to actually kill the fight eventually. You know, I, I think they got a lot of fights far too early. Um, that's my only real opinion on the curve. Like, I think the first, normally, seven or eight bosses are fine. And then the last two, I think, are generally okay for World First Guilds. And then they nerf them a little bit too quickly for me, personally. But that's... I don't think a person in a casual guild would ever want to, like, progress on a boss that would take them 600 tries or anything like that. Um, even with tactics, a lot of your wipes on Kill Jaden wouldn't change. You would still wipe to Armageddon a lot. You would still wipe to Obelisk a lot, even if you knew all the tactics we had. So maybe it was a little bit too hard, but... Yeah. I, I do like the idea of there being like aspirational bosses. Okay. I think honestly the, the best thing they could have done, uh, which I, I think works best, is instead of nerfing the bosses, just make it so that passively every week you gain, let's say, 1% damage and healing increase, or 2%, or whatever it is. Kind of like the ICC version. So that it gradually gets nerfed by percentage, but don't remove two meteors randomly from the like if you make the mechanics way easier then it's just it's not just a numbers thing it's just the fight becomes a ton easier same with the obelisks like having starting with three and not with five 
is a huge nerf. Trust me, because uh, if you start at five, we ended up with nine obelisks in the end or something, 10 obelisks where there's almost no safe spot. There's one safe spot in the whole platform. Whereas you start with three, then you end up at uh, eight. Um, so yeah, I think instead of nerfing so quickly the mechanics of the fights, they should just um, you know buff you or just passively reduce damage and uh, health of the boss by a little bit every week so that uh, people can experience it uh, that way. I mean, they cannot do that with Concordance, let's say, but it's just not working right now because uh, Concordance is just meh. It's, well, uh, I, <laughs> I sort of skipped over that part of the show where I was going to make a, a joke about how the AP grind because of the Crucible returns. And mm. I mean, good luck adding all that RNG and how the relics are different and you want like more relics to re-roll to get other bonuses on your relics and those bonuses are ridiculous. So have fun with that if that causes any muddling of the waters, I'm sure. But um, that, that mechanical stuff brings up another question and I'll toss this at, at Scott because that's like the, the, it trickles down, I think, from the tanking point of view into the rest of the raid, how this works. So, and, uh, and Latrudos said, uh, you talked a lot earlier about the immunity stacking. I mean, can you guys discuss what degree that that type of mechanic would be healthy for an encounter or a final boss fight instead of just having you know, hunters, mages, rogues, only people that can live paladins? So what's <clears throat> sorry? What's the question? Like what 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 degree of that type of mechanic do you think would be actually healthy for a final boss versus what you had to deal with on like Avatar and kill Jaden? I wouldn't say that, I wouldn't say that the immunities in, in themselves was really the was really the main issue. Right? It's it's mostly the fact that you had to soak so many small meteors. Right? Hmm. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say that having to soak one of the two big meteors with an immunity was. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying it's good. I'm, I mean, it is probably pretty bad, but I'm not saying that it's absolutely terrible, right? Because every every raid group will have people in the raid with immunities. As long as basically, as long as it doesn't like um, force you to class stack, I guess, to the excess, then it sh it should be considered, I guess, generally okay. Yeah. I guess then that the my follow up was what is excess then? I mean, obviously we lived during the what was eleven feral druid heroic nefarian back in the day, right? Like that's or the nine arcane mages spine of deathwing like those aren't coming up i mean still five of one class is that too much mm. the thing is like for like we talked about cheesy mechanics and stuff earlier like in, on this on this show the like for for us to be able to kill bosses that are tuned as difficult as they are it's like josh said that the only thing we had to do was really you know find like these these almost like gimmicks or how to cheese certain mechanics and stuff that is always the case when it comes to uh, pushing for world force because the encounters are tuned so so difficult mm -hmm. that you know you need to find like these tiny little things that you wouldn't uh, that you know a lot of players might not originally think about to actually give you that edge to be able to actually you know make the numbers and actually you know execute the kill um and so if something you know if there's a reason to bring five rogues you know you know you're gonna, you're gonna bring five rogues but yeah it, the way it was, the way that the whole meteors meteors worked, it definitely was a little bit uh, excessive. Yeah, I think I think just to yeah uh, to touch on what you said, I think for example the dark marks is an okay mechanic where you need to soak. Rogues are good to have, and they can immune it as well, 
but you know you don't need five of them you can go with three for example yeah they're still good obviously but they're not mandatory so for example in phase one if the the things on the ground that you needed to soak instead of five if it was three of them but they hit harder then maybe you would only bring three rogues for example yeah it's just when you need to soak a lot of stuff and it doesn't and you can choose who soaks it that's the thing when you have the option to choose who soaks it then you bring the rogues think of black hand last phase you needed three people plus the tank to soak the smash um, so that he doesn't get energy or what was it so you choose okay you bring the three rogues why not you know they're the best at it so I think mechanics where you can cheese it with immunities or faint it should be targeted things randomly targeted things on players because then okay the immunity is nice to have uh, for example on Gul'dan the bonds in phase one if a guy with an immunity gadget is really nice but it's not the end of the world if they don't that's what I mean. that's, yeah I, I kind of I kind of agree with them but at the same time that does still promote stacking classes with immunities right if you can bypass a certain mechanic mm -hmm. even if it's random I mean yeah, they're up with immunities in the raid the safer it is right so yeah yeah, yeah I'm just saying because you said what extent. I think it definitely helps if you don't choose who is soaking those yeah, soak mechanics. Sure. Let's say. Yeah, yeah that I helps. Have, I have a two questions down here. That any types of raid mechanics you'd want to see in Antorus the Burning Throne versus any you do not want to see. I think the earlier discussion right now sort of answers the back and forth on that one. I think so. it's not ju it's not just this discussion though. I think cool, like I think generally people are maybe a little bit upset with how much you know aggressive soaking mechanics there are in TOS, like they've yeah. gone completely overboard with that. Um, so yeah, I mean, obviously a reduction in soak, in so like the Armageddon and KJ, I mean, I've never seen a worse mechanic than that on an end fight in my entire, I honestly can't think of a mechanic that was more annoying to, to progress with than, than that really. Yep. It looks I think like a, a consensus. I think a mechanic I would like to see more of is uh, something where you gain an insane amount of speed I don't know, and you have to like somehow use it. I don't know if we're talking about just general thoughts, yeah? Yeah, so I think the it's question was cool. what type of mechanics you like to see. Yeah, yeah, like speeding people up and having to use that to do something, you know, I don't know, catch some orbs or something. <laughs> do something yeah, with I that. Must admit, yeah, I must admit, I actually thoroughly enjoyed the uh, Maiden fight in, in this instance. Like the, the soaking of the orbs and stuff, that was quite cool. Um... But also the way that we did the, that we actually originally killed the boss, I also thought that was actually really fun, yeah? That, you know, we were kind of constantly moving around the boss um, to dodge orbs. Like, it felt, I felt, I felt extremely engaged, basically, throughout the, uh, the maiden, the maiden progress, which was actually fun. Because um, I think sometimes you kind of lack a bit of uh, engagement when you're kind of just standing there tanking or standing there just DPSing. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I'm thinking back to some of the other fights as well. I think uh, I'm thinking about back to like, for example, Blackhand. Like that was just like I, th I still think Blackhand was just such such an exceptionally good fight. Like I think that's actually it might might not be like a necessarily a popular opinion, but I think Blackhand was probably one of the best end boss progress fights I've actually seen as well. Maybe taking out like the requirement of having three or four hundreds because of aspect of the fox at the time, but I think the rest of the fight, yeah. It was also a high pace, like it was a six minute end boss fight where you're like, you got to do this and then that and then this. Whereas like Gul'dan and now KJ are like 15 minute, 14 minute, 16 minute slugfests. So, yeah. 
the issue as well with a lot an issue a lot as well with a lot of these end bosses and i was kind of hoping they were going to move away from this was that they seem to have extremely lengthy phase ones like mm. they are not engaging at all like mm. the worst the worst recent example of this i guess you could say was probably Gul'dan. um that phase one it was it was ridiculously long and ridiculously boring like yeah. as as time went on having to go through that just to get to the phase two which is actually fun with like the pushback mechanics you know things actually happening um it was really frustrating um and yeah the i guess going back to blackhand again I, that was like the, one of the first times i was thinking to myself yeah this this is actually an end boss that has you know a really engaging phase one this is actually pretty fun yeah um and then i felt pretty engaged throughout the whole fight as well so that was good well i think we're at about time a little longer than i expected but that the new section of the show takes up more so i have i have like one little final closing question then i'll guys have you do your your shout outs and stuff and this is this normally comes up as a funny question, but you know, hey, check could be curious, and uh, we'll go with Josh first. So, uh, boxers or briefs? Uh, boxers, sure. <laughs> yeah, uh, boxers. That's all I have to say on that subject, really. Uh... Roger, what about you? Um, neither. Just go commando, <laughs> you know. Commando. <laughs> <laughs> Scott. Uh, what about what about a combination? Box Box briefs. briefs. I'm I'm with you on that one. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. Yeah. I was I was half expecting like ladies' panties to come up in there, but none of you. No, I was fine. This is good. Well, I mean, mean, sometimes sometimes I sometimes I go into into Sophia's drawer and you know have a look, but yeah, I'm not gonna say that like on stream. Let's just say it's good that the camera can only show you know only the top end. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course. So, all right. So let's give you guys a little soapbox time, and uh, we'll go in the same order. Josh, do you have any shout-outs or closing remarks you want to you want to tail end here for, for chat or for method or anything in that regard? Go for it. This is your time. Uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed playing the tier. It was a lot of fun. Uh, a lot of people have been, like, super nice during progress and then after progress and stuff about it. Like, uh, a lot of people whispering and stuff. That's, like, really nice. Uh, I'm really active on Discord. So thank you to people on Discord for keeping me entertained like during 17 hour days when a boss was unkillable. And uh, yeah, I've had a lot of fun doing this, to be honest. Roger, how about you? Uh, yeah. Really fun. World first, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> uh, I want to shout out to my team who are currently um, getting ready the keys so we can go to the Invitational. Uh, mm. Thank you guys while doing this uh, interview. Love you all. And, uh, yeah, I guess that's it. <laughs> nah, uh, it's been a great uh, fun again to be on the interview and uh, hope to be in more in the future. Scott, you get the end. Wrap it all up for us, sir. Well, I mean, first of all, I guess shout out to the Twitch chat for keeping us uh, entertained while we <laughs> obviously go through these, these questions. <laughs> um, second of all... Um, a massive shout out to everyone who has uh, been involved in this this progress race, um, like from method side and, and and otherwise. We've obviously worked incredibly hard as like a guild um, to rebuild and to get back on the number one spot. It's it's been something that's been in the work for a long time, so it it feels obviously good to to finally be back up there, and that's obviously through the hard work and dedication of, of all the uh, all the raiders and methods. So huge uh, huge appreciation for that. Really impressed with. Uh, with everything we've seen in uh, this tier and leading up to this tier. Um, and yeah, a, a big uh, 
much love to the community who still still supports the uh, the world first race, right? Because without the support of the community and the interest of the uh, the interest of the community in the actual race itself and following the race, like even even for example the stupid demo champion threads, I guess. I mean, we wouldn't obviously have uh, any kind of uh, motivation to continue the the race, so to speak, because obviously there's no support from really from Blizzard's side. So it really wow. is a, it really is a kind of like a community driven um, community driven event. Roger Brand just taking his head off, yeah. <laughs> what is he doing? It really is a community-driven event. So, I mean, I, I appreciate all the love and all the support that we do, that we do get from the community, like in the the way that the community, you know, keeps it going, supports all guilds that are taking part in it, and uh, hopefully we can continue that in, that on into the future. And uh, hopefully, you know, some things might change with competitive reigning in general um, in the future. So, yeah. And I guess a final shout out to the. Uh, is Roger Brown open the fridge or the freezer? Is that the fridge? He was cracking. He was making a moat like he was throwing an egg at the the camera. <laughs> yeah. And obviously, if oh I my God, shout out still to, uh... talking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Final oh. shout out to uh, all of Method's uh, sponsors um, for supporting the team, supporting the uh, guild, and uh, yeah. Thank you for inviting us to the show. Appreciate it. I, I I might have to give a, a side nod here because you didn't say anything about Method Mom and she might get mad at you if you don't. So you want to quickly fix that real quick, maybe? Dude, I've already, I've already picked up the shield. When I said when I said uh, everyone when I said everyone involved when I said everyone involved in Method, you know, in like internally guildwise or otherwise, that's kind of you know I was covering covering everyone. Yeah, there's you, obviously a lot. Of, there's obviously a lot of people who. Um, who support method in general um who are not let's let's say necessarily in the limelight they're not necessarily people inside the guild you know we've got like sure. um we have people who are obviously editing the videos for us you know we've got starm who's keeping up with the uh the raid progress on the website we've got you know Dari, our community manager we've got like a we've got a whole bunch of people who are you know let's say uh supporting us from the from the the sidelines and um that's hugely appreciated obviously from from everyone in the guild and uh yeah no that's awesome I'm going to slam down this button. That means we are done. So yeah, TLDR, we got a lot of things. So thank you very much for tuning in to episode number 150. If I could say that any any faster, I probably... Episode 150 of Final Boss TV. It's been a long, long journey. We have two shows next coming up. I'm in a little bit of a hiatus before we re-kick everything off in Legion because we got a long way to go. We still got a third raid tier to go and who else knows what Blizzard has in store for us, right? Around the table yet again, there's Roger Brown. You can go check his Twitch stream out whenever he turns it on <laughs> at Roger yeah, Brown. Very, very really, to be honest. Yeah, okay. Tomorrow, dude. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. If you want to see right. some top tier, top notch Hunter gameplay, do not come to my stream. Web if you want to just see it for the memes, <laughs> tune in to twitch.tv slash Roger Brown. All right. <laughs> And there's the Cheers. big man himself. There's there's Scott. You can go check him out on his channel at Sco. Thank you for on the show again, sir. Always great, appreciate man. your time. Always, uh, always willing to be here. Now I gotta end with Josh last, just for chat. Josh has a Twitch stream as well, which I can't pronounce. What's it again? Attackamite. Attackamite. That should. These are the rebranding there, Josh. You need to work on that. Well, if if he passes trial, right, Scott? If he passes trial. I mean, yeah, like I said, it's still up in the air, really, yeah. Yeah. But um, hopefully we have some good news from in the not-too-distant future. But, Josh, thank you for on the show for the first time. Appreciate your time, sir. Thanks so much for having me. That was really nice. Give us a kiss. Excuse me? Uh. <laughs>
Roger, we're still on, Roger, we're still on line, yeah? We're mm, still on line, mate. Sorry, I thought, I thought we were still... <laughs> next, <laughs> next week will be Enhancement Shaman, followed by Brewmaster Lung to round out the specs. So if you have any questions for those, of course, you hit the show up on Twitter or you can get the Discord. Again, check out iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play if you want the audio only or the YouTube link down below. You can subscribe down there and you can follow those and make sure you check out the uh, the kill video and sync that up for the live commentary section. Leave me your feedback. If you're watching on YouTube right now, let me know how that section worked out. On the live show, we got some feedback during the whole course of it, but I guess just get back into the AP grind because Netherlight Crucible is on the horizon, so have, have fun with that and just save up high-level relics, I guess. That's all I can really give you that, but thank you for watching, trusting your seal of artifact power. And until next week, everybody. Bye! Bye, bye, bye! Wave bye, bye. those people! Wave! Wave! Wave bye, Josh! There you go. There it is. Perfect.